This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, from the Tasty Cake Studios, Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Phil's fall 10-2 or 12-2 to the Colorado Rockies. And, and once again, I'm sitting here saying, what the hell did I just watch? This team is far too talented to continue to come up this small, especially on the road to inferior teams like the Colorado Rockies. And I'm just disappointed. I I am disappointed in this baseball team. Uh, The first week of the season, to get off to the hot start, it looks like a really good baseball team. And here we are two weeks later, and I'm worried that we might have a bad baseball team. 215-592. 9494 is how you join Final Out. Jack Fritz here with you. This team is too talented to lose games like this. It's as simple as that. They are far too talented to lose games like this. They the the offense has been sputtering. They've been slow. The the pitching staff has been disappointing outside of the first three. The bullpen, who I thought was going to be good heading into the season. They have some talent. They they are coming up small as well. And the defense has been terrible. This is not a good baseball team right now. Two and seven on the road this year is this Phillies team. Two and seven. They're 78 and 121 since 2018 on the road. That is brutal. Brutal. And they lose 12 2 today on a day in which Bryce Harper has a big day. 215 592 9494. That's how you join the show. Get in now and react with me to that game. Because if you're like me and you live and die with these Phillies games and they come out and give another lackluster effort in a, in a big spot on the road, it's, it's, it's just disheartening. And they continue to do this over and over again. Chase Anderson started today. Looked pretty good for the first little bit. Uh, looks like he was making, you know, hitting his spots, all that stuff. Um, and then the fourth inning happened. And it all fell apart. I think Kevin France on the broadcast uh, said that Chase Anderson missed 11 straight spots, which is a bold decision, bold move. Um, and really, I mean, the game the game comes down to what happened in that inning. Uh, John, John Gray gets a single up the middle against Chase Anderson, a, a, a spot that you have to get the pitcher out. You have to get him out in that situation. I mean, that's you 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 manage that inning well enough. You handle that inning well enough, and you get to that moment where you pitch around guys to set up that. And you don't execute. It comes down to executing. And he didn't execute there. He's scuffling. Joe Girardi pulls him, brings in David Hale. That goes about as well as you'd expect. Trevor Story hits a grand slam all of a sudden. 
It's a 7-2 game. Things look like they're getting out of hand. Um, Girardi goes to Spencer Howard, and the Phillies kind of wave the white flag at this point. Just a brutal effort. It's it's a brutal effort for this team that is that is too talented to, to be this meh, I want to say, uh, especially against a Rockies team. Listen, I get it. The Phillies haven't won there. They haven't won a series there since 2012. I mean, it's been it's been forever. They always seem to play bad in Colorado. It is what it is. But you expect different when you have Joe Girardi as this as this manager. You expect different when you have Bryce Harper going the way he's going right now. You expect different with the bullpen upgrades. And right now, it's just not too much different. So two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four is how you join the show. A lot to get to, a lot to react to. A disappointing Phillies loss, and I'm kind of wondering because I'm wondering where the fan base is at. Where, where are you in relation to pressing the panic button on this Phillies team? Because I got to be honest, I am slamming the panic button down. I am slamming the panic button down. It is, this, is, this team is not talented. They're, they're not showing their true colors so far. And uh, I, I, am, I am definitely worried about it. Let's go right to the phones, get to it. Warren and Gwen Valley. Warren, how you doing, buddy? Jack, how you doing? Uh, pretty brutal, Warren. I mean, uh, another loss to the Rockies. Team is far too talented for this. And, uh, yeah, I'm down today, Warren. You know, if it's, if it's not them, it's the Marlins. If it's not the Marlins, it's the Diamondbacks, St. Louis. It's, this is who they are. And to me, in the clubhouse, you know, these guys have to hold each other accountable. they got to look each other in the face and say, you know, they blew it. I mean, they flat out blew it. And – They've got to somehow pick up the pitching. But without pitching, this is who this team is. It's really unfortunate. And they're giving baseball a bad name because when we say we want to have you know, a quicker game, well, you cannot have you know, seven runs in an inning and have a quick game. So I hope they took notes today and uh, they hold each other accountable going forward. Yeah, Warren, that's what they have to do. I mean, this team, again, I've said it. A couple times so far. I mean, two and seven this year on the road. Two and seven on the road this year. Seventy-eight and one twenty-one since twenty eighteen on the road. A manager should be able to get more out of his guys, but ultimately it comes down to the guys in that clubhouse being mentally tough and mentally ready to go on the road. You have to create your own energy when you're on the road. That's how you win baseball games. Two one five five nine two ninety four is how you join the program. I'm gonna take a break real quick. On the other side, another day, another questionable Joe Girardi decision. We'll break that down coming up next in the final out. Welcome back. Final out here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Jack Fritz hanging out with you. And what seems to be a theme with this baseball team is uh, Joe Girardi making questionable decisions for everyone that thought the Phillies were getting a massive upgrade in manager over Gabe Kapler to Joe Girardi. Boy, are we kind of seeing the opposite so far. Uh, and again today, obviously Chase Anderson, you have to, to execute better to, to John Gray. You can't let up a, an RBI single to the pitcher. I mean, listen, that's that's <laughs> Chase Anderson has been around too, too long to make that kind of mistake in that situation. So brutal, brutal, brutal. But what's even more brutal is bringing in David Hale to face Trevor Story with the game on the line. I know people say, you know, you need to have your best relievers late in games to, to shut down runs and, and stop momentum in their tracks in the ninth, eighth, seventh, whatever. 
But sometimes games can be lost in the fourth inning. And that was another example of that today where this game got out of hand early because the manager brought in a long man to face the only, not the only threat in the Rockies lineup, but the biggest threat in the Rockies lineup. It's a 3-2 ball game. You're still in it. And you have Spencer Howard, who is ready to go. Uh, I mean, they're going to use him today, whatever. You need a guy in that situation that is going to hopefully get a strikeout or at least has power stuff to get through a Trevor Story at bat. You don't bring in David Hale, who throws 92 miles an hour and doesn't strike people out as a contact pitcher to face the best player in the Rockies lineup. That is faulty managing, and it is thinking about down the road rather than in the moment. It is it is not managing in the time and present place that you are in. Spencer Howard then gets warmed up after the game's already blown up and he's is brought into the game. The Spencer Howard usage on this team is is starting to be become crazy. This is a top prospect in baseball. Why is he pitching in mop-up duty to a bad team, especially when you have to go on the road to St. Louis for the rest of the week? Get Bailey Falter in there. Like you your 4-5 in your rotation is terrible. It's Vince Velasquez for the 17th time. It's Matt Moore, who's terrible, and Chase Anderson, who can't get into the fifth inning. Why can we not use our top prospect to get in there and and see what he has? I mean, in a perfect world, I get it. He can be your hybrid guy that can shut down games all throughout. But if he's going to be a guy that you can bring in and stop a run, then bring him in the fourth when you have Trevor Story coming up, Joe. Let's not wait till the game's blown open to bring in Spencer Howard. Spencer Howard was designed to do this role this year. Be the fireman. Be what Sir Anthony was in 2018. And this manager is bringing in David Hale to pitch to Trevor Story. It is it is a total mis- miscalculation by Joe Girardi, and it cost him another game today. Spencer Howard needed to be in that game. If you're going to warm him up after, then it proves my point even more. He was coming into the game. You have to shut the game down there. Joe Girardi, again, again, costing this team games. He has not been an upgrade, a bad decision, and they need to figure out what they're going to do with Spencer Howard. Your 4-5 is terrible. Get him in the rotation. See what he can do. Enough of this stuff. If you're going to not use him as a fireman, then don't use him as a freaking mop-up guy against the Rockies. Ridiculous. Ridiculous managing by Joe Girardi that we've seen far too often from a guy who managed in New York for a decade. 215-592-9494. Jack in New Jersey, you're on the final out with Savin and Brother. Hey, how's it going, man? Nothing much. What do you got? All right, well, look, I'm a big High Hopes listener. I could talk to you all day about, like, Girardi and rotation and Koch. I want to talk to you about Alec Bohm a little bit. Uh, is it getting to the point where we need to worry a little bit about him? Like, is he just in a sophomore slump or was – his rookie year, maybe just a little bit lucky. Just, well, I mean, I have a big belief in him, but like, it's not looking good these past twenty games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Boom, Boom is is is. It's worrisome, but at the same time, like he did smoke a couple balls today. He smoked the ball last night. It's like he's getting super unlucky. The thing that's concerning me about Boom is like fastballs down the middle to inside. He's still trying to hit to right field, and I get having the all field approach, and I think that's a good thing. But eventually, you got to start pulling those balls and doing some real damage. Like, you can't just rely on hitting the ball to right field all the time. So, the the strikeouts are concerning for me. He's been traditionally good at, at not striking out. But 
I'm not pressing the panic button on Boehm yet. He had some good at-bats today, good at-bats yesterday. Seems like he's slowly starting to come out of this thing a little bit, Jack. I like that, yeah. I also am just wondering a little bit about like his mental. Like, and I never saw him last year get angry when when something went wrong. And this time I'm seeing him like he, he's swearing when he's done. He's you can see him. He's visibly angry and upset in himself this year. And I wonder if it's just part of like you know it was a strikeout and he's just slumping a little bit, or if there's something different about his mental this year. Yeah, Jack. Thanks for the call. But yeah, I agree. I mean, he's been he's definitely looks like he's kind of pressing a little bit. He clearly hasn't struggled uh, to this level in his career, and it looks like he's pressing, but. Listen, young player, he's this is the first time he's really struggled, I would say, uh in in professional baseball and he is he's talented enough to where I trust that he's going to come out of this. He's still hitting the ball hard. The strikeouts are concerning, but he's a guy that does not like striking out. That's one of his calling cards, something he fully believes and Listen, I like that Joe's dropping down the lineup. Hopefully it gets him more uh comfortable and he can kind of push him back up. 215-592-9494 going to take a break here on the other side. I'm going to give you my notebook. I'm going to unload the notebook on the things that I saw today, uh, some some minor things, just some things that caught my eye, and we'll get to the rest of your phone calls as we finish up final out here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back in Sports Radio 94 WIP to the final out. Jack Fritz here with you, 215-592-9494. Just a brutal game um, and another lackluster effort on the road. I mean, 2-7 and seven this year. Uh, I mean, the, this overall since 2018, 78-121 on the road. I mean, it's just, it's just dreadful. Just dreadful. Um, and another lackluster effort today. Uh, just some, some, some things I wrote down while watching the game today for my, uh, for my notebook. Didi's defense continuing to be brutal um makes the error today and it's starting to it looks like it's starting to get into his head a little bit he's he's made some wild throws um obviously the it, it's the frustration kind of boiled over today uh he started he started to throw his glove uh which been there i mean that's that's the the old jack fritz staple from high school was throwing the glove when things weren't going your way but it looks like the the, the defensive struggles are starting to get to dd a little bit and hopefully it can kind of you know get into the to, to form here because he's been a good defender for a while and it, it's weird seeing him struggle this much. He's not this bad of a defensive player. Um, and it's just, it's something that he needs to iron out and this team needs to, to, to definitely fix Uh big Harper day, of course. Um, and honestly, you know, I thought it early. He had the two homers. He had the play at the plate. Like this is what you paid the guy for. This is, this is MVP caliber stuff. This is, why you? This is why you gave him that contract because you expect him to step up in moments like this. And unfortunately, you know the the fourth inning happened and the game got blown up because it was trending towards one of those. Wow, Bryce is kind of putting the team on its back, and it reminds me a lot of of what Howard was doing in in '06 through '08ish. So just an unbelievable Harper run, and we'll get more into that coming up a little bit later. Nick Maton, I mean, continuing to be scorching hot. I don't know what they do when Brad Miller is healthy. Uh, if I was Joe Girardi, I would put Brad Miller in left. Or even Nick Maton. He's been shagging fly balls in left field. So um, I would think about taking a shot on 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 Maton in left or Miller in left and then having Maton at second or Miller at second. Either way, those two have to be in the lineup. He's hitting too hard. He's hitting too well. 
Um, I mean, just continually squaring up balls. He's hitting over 450, which is ridiculous. So uh, Nick Maton is continuing to play his way into the lineup. Uh, Matt Moore, Chase Anderson, and Vince Velasquez, they are really causing some strain on this bullpen. Um, and it's really like Eflin, Nolan, and Wheeler basically have to be perfect if they want to create length. I mean, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous run those guys are on. And this bullpen, while talented, is not good enough to to make up for their four or five starters going four and five innings. Like they, they need more length out of those guys or else it's going to cost them every other way. Um, when, when Eflin Wheeler and Nola start, they are putting the pressure on them to go longer into games, which is a lot of pressure on those guys. Um, so they, they got to figure out something back there. Um, and yeah, just, just, uh, just another brutal, brutal game. Really quick note back there. I want to sneak in a call before we break here. Frankie and Horsham. What's happening, Frankie? Hey, how are you? today good frank well i mean a brutal baseball game is not that great frankie but other than that doing pretty well how are you i'm doing fine what do you got for me today well i watched the game and if you want my opinion for bryce harper i love this guy yep this guy's awesome i say at the end of this year send the lawyers guns and money and get out of that contract with the phillies if he wants to win a world series ring he's not going to do it here well, uh, Frankie, team is terrible. Frankie, team is personally, terrible. I would uh, hate to see that. I do not want to see Bryce Harper force his way out of here. And he, again today, just doing what stars do. Um, and unfortunately, came up small. I mean, 12-2, that's not on Bryce Harper. But the way that game was trending, he even almost hit a home run out. It would have been his third of the day. Would have would have caught Jason Worth. Um, but he is doing monster stuff right now. And again, this is what you paid him to do. I've never seen a player in baseball dominate a game the way that Bryce Harper is right now. Baseball is an individual sport, and what he's doing right now is 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 carrying this team on his shoulders. And it's truthfully, it is it is really awesome stuff. That's gonna do it for the final out. Phillies calls don't go anywhere. We're gonna stick with the Phillies on the other side because I'm pressing the panic button. It's early, I get it, but it's time to press the panic button on this Phillies team. We'll get into that more. Coming up next here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. From the Tasty Cake Studios, Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Yes, final out may have ended, but that does not mean we're done talking about the Phillies because, again, 12-2, a brutal loss, continuing to suck on the road. And you're starting to see more and more flaws from this Phillies team that I wasn't expecting. And they fall one game under 500. I mean, this team is now 10 and 11 on the year, under 500 for the first time. And I get that it's early. I understand that. But I, I my, my hand's been hovering around the panic button, and I'm slamming it down. I'm slamming my hand down on the panic button. I'm officially worried about this baseball team. And it really comes down to this. They're not good enough. This Phillies team is not good enough. And I don't see a path to them getting better. Like, usually when you see a team and they're starting to have some flaws and you're, you're trying to project where they're going and all of that, you can, you can see aspects of the team that you can believe in. And when I see this team right now, I am seeing a team that has four or five starters or six, if you want to factor in Vince Velasquez, that aren't good enough. 
Those those four or five starters are not good enough. Matt Moore has been a disaster coming over from Japan. Shocking, Matt Moore, still bad. He was the worst pitcher in baseball from 2016 to 2018. Worst pitcher in baseball, still bad. Chase Anderson is fine, I guess, for a five, but he gives you four to five innings to start. You saw it again today, and it completely backfired. And then there's Vince Velasquez. I mean, Vince Velasquez, for the feels like a hundredth year, we are sitting here and dealing with this again. So the four or five starters are, are just killing this team, and I talked about it last segment, but it puts so much pressure on Eflin, Wheeler, and Nola to be perfect night in, night out, and it's just not realistic. It puts strain on those guys, and it puts strain on the rest of the bullpen. That needs to get better, but it, they're 10 and 11. We are two months from the, from the trade deadline. No team right now is going to start trading pieces off. That's not how baseball works. So they're going to have to figure out a way to get to the trade deadline, hopefully stay in contention, and then go get some players. But unless you're putting Spencer Howard in that rotation, I don't see how they get that much better. Center field, it's obviously been a problem. I think Moniak has, has been okay. He's striking out a lot, but he looks like he's starting to get more comfortable. Roman Quinn's a disaster. We have no idea when Hazley's coming back. Like Center field is obviously a huge problem. I think it's being a little bit overrated because I think 4-5 is a bigger concern, and Andrew McCutcheon in the leadoff spot is a bigger concern for me. I don't see McCutcheon getting better. I don't think he's going to be a 160 hitter, but I don't think we're going to get the McCutcheon that we've seen in years past. The OBP is still not where it should be for how great Andrew McCutcheon has been throughout his career. He's your leadoff hitter right now, and he's a liability. He's not leading off anything. It's, 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 it's not going well at all. You get to the bullpen. Talented, but still there's that, that feeling in your gut that they're going to let you down. They have talent. They have some guys. Obviously, Alvarado's out. Uh, Archie Bradley's out. When those guys come back, it, it should stabilize it a little bit. But we're seeing now that once you get past those guys, the, the depth isn't there in the bullpen just yet. The road record. I brought this up a lot last sec- last in final out. 2-7 and seven this year on the road. 78-121. and 121 in the past since 2018. Like, they are a brutal road team, and if you're expecting to make the playoffs, you got to figure out how to win, to win games on the road. You can't go to Colorado, a team that sucks, and get blown out. Like, And really, they could have easily been swept if not for Reese Hoskins' big night last night. It's, it's, it's a frustrating time. It feels like it's, it's Groundhog's Day with this baseball team that every year we get our hopes up, they start out hot, and then by week three, you start seeing all the flaws, and you start hitting that panic button, and that's where I'm at. I, I, I am slamming down the panic button. I don't see the team getting much better. I think this is kind of what we have to deal with until the trade deadline, or at least around the trade deadline, and that's a scary place to be. We are two months away from that. We are two months away from the trade deadline. This team has to be able to, to make some moves before that, and they have to stabilize this thing a little bit. I can't see the path getting much better from this point. 215-592-9494. Are you pressing the panic button? Because I'm there. It's slammed down. There's no panic button here, technically, in the studio. But if there was, just slammed it. 215-592-9494. Jack Fritz with you. Let's go to the phones and talk to my buddy Dan in the Northeast Philly. What's happening, buddy? Hey, Jack. How you doing, man? Good, Dan. Good to talk to you. I'm sorry about Kingery. He might not be a good player, Danny. Uh, I'm hitting the panic button, too. I'll just make three observations. 
this Girardi does not know how to handle pitchers. I mean, that game with Brogdon, you could see Brogdon, every time he threw his uh, breaking ball, he had no command, no control whatsoever. Then they hit the home run off and make it 7-6. to six. He called it Gabe Kapler. Does he get him out of there? No. Wait till it's 10 to friggin' 6. Wait till you're four runs behind. A typical – and then our buddy uh, Julio said, oh, Gabe out. Man, Gabe didn't outmanage him. He did the same thing that Gabe did. Now, I'm sure you agree with me on that. Observation number two is this team was men on base. Brutal. Instead of instead of shortening up and putting the ball in play, it's all this crap, Jack. Swing for a home run, this and that. With men on base, the pressure's on the defense. When the defense is under stress, you put it in play. That that's when they'll make a mistake and you get extra runs. That's number two. Number three is on the road. Just what you said, you stole some of my thunder. You've got to be able to win some games on the road, win a series here or there. On the road, we're atrocious. We can't beat anybody on the road. Yeah, Dan, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, they, they have to figure out how to win games on the road if they're going to seriously be contenders in the NL East. I know the NL East is off to a slow start, but – you got to win those games. You got to figure out a way. You got to muster up the energy to to go on the road, go into yeah, I mean it's obviously not as hostile as it's been in years past, but you got to figure out how to win games on the road. And uh this team is too veteran led not to be able to do that. They have a veteran led manager, uh a guy that's been around and 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 Dan hit on it there. I mean, Girardi's been a disappointment. I thought I was going to see more, you know, eye test and gut feel, but all I've seen is sticking to the binder, sticking to the plan and and not being an upgrade in 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 the dugout for this Phillies team. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Jack Fritz here with you. We'll get to all of your calls on the other side, but also a shocking, and I mean shocking stat, about the Phillies' fourth and fifth starter. And are you pressing the panic button on this Phillies team? I'm there. I'm slamming the panic button down. I'm worried. I don't think it's too early there's too many trends with this team that I don't believe in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. We'll get to all that coming up next. Welcome back. Jack Fritz here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Reacting to another brutal Phil's loss. The Phillies haven't won a three-game series on the road since 2019. I know last year was an abbreviated season, but that is still unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and until they can figure out how to win games on the road and not, you know, look terrible consistently away from Citizens Bank Park, I mean, it's hard to fully buy into this team. I, I, I did it again. They went out opening weekend, went 5-1, and one. You know, the bullpen has guys that throw hard, and we're like, oh, everything's fine. Offense, still inconsistent. Talented players come here. They don't get the most out of them. The four or five starters in the rotation, and that leads me to this shocking stat from Corey Seidman. The Phil's fourth and fifth starters this season, 31 and two-thirds innings, 26 runs, 25 of them earned, 58 base runners, and they're averaging 
3.95 innings per start. The four or five starters in the Phillies rotation are not even going four innings. That is brutal. It puts a lot of stress on the bullpen, and it puts a lot of stress on the other guys in that rotation to step up. And that's part of the reason why why I'm pressing the panic button. I I, I am. If you know me, you follow me, you listen to me. I am a positive Phillies fan. I know, like it feels like a lot of Phillies coverage is negative and it's brutal and ah, baseball's so boring or whatever. Like I live and die with the Phillies. I they they are my version of the Eagles. Obviously, I live and die with the Eagles too. But reacting to games is what I do with the Phillies. And I try not to get ahead of myself. I did it again this year. I was duped five and one. It was like, oh great. Like we got a good baseball team. They're well built. They are sound. And here we are, one game under five hundred. Uh more more road woes. And I am full on pressing the panic button. I it's I to me it's not too early. We're seeing the same stuff that we've seen the last couple of years. I don't care that it's that it's 21 games into a season. This is the same stuff that we've seen for the last couple of years. 215-592-9494. You're pressing the panic button because I'm there. I am I am there. They are worrying me, and it's not great to be a Phillies fan right now. Let's go to the phones. Brian in my new hometown slash old hometown of Westchester. What's happening, buddy? Hey, man. Hey, I appreciate your love of the Phillies. Let me start off with something positive. All right. The inter- the international signings and their last two drafts, from what I had read, have gotten good reviews. But your panic button should have been pressed when they did the uh, the Harper deal, Riamuto, Segura, Didi. That was doomed to fail. And why? Because that that you can't build a team through free agency and trades. Well, you can if you want to pay a luxury tax, and John Middleton's not going to do that. Right. And so no one wants to face the music. They have a failed rebuild. Instead of continuing down a path that could lead to success, they went down the wrong path of signing free agents and trading, losing draft picks. That was a horrible decision. Well, Brian, I guess my question would that be, well, what do you want them to do? Just punt the seasons because they failed to rebuild and keep kicking the can down the road? Well, it, it's not doing it. It's letting it naturally play out. You're not intentionally doing it. You're simply, this is the way to win. If I draft and I, you know, I get the players to progress, I will have a good team. Going out and buying a 500 team, which is what they are, is 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 a nowhere nowhere road. Yeah, but at the same time, like it's been a it's at that point it had been eight years since they made the playoffs. Bryce Harper's there. JT's his best friend. You're gonna go get that guy, and you're gonna try to compete. I think personally, Brian, what they did is fine. It's just that they have to. It, you can find talent all over the MLB draft. Teams do it every year. You can find yep. talent if you just spend money in free agency or spend money in the international market. Like you can do those things while also competing at the same time. I have no problem with that. It's just that until the last, I don't know, year or two, they've they haven't shown the the ability to draft well, and it seems like they're starting to turn that corner a little bit. I agree with you, but there's a point where the Phillies were basically a expansion team, and when you add high quality players like Harper, Riamuto. Segura, I would even put Didi in there. That is enough to push you in no man's land at 500, which definitely hurts your prospects 
of being able to rebuild the team. I wish they would just – I know it's failed. No one likes it. They sure kept on that path, though. I got you, Brian. Yeah, it's a frustrating time to be a Phils fan. Thanks for the call. Um, and it's frustrating because you see a guy like Didi, who has been a good defensive player his entire career, and he comes here, and this year it's been it's been dreadful. I mean, honestly, watching Nick Maton for a couple days at shortstop was, like, so refreshing. It was like, oh, my gosh, you can just make the normal play in front of him. Throw the ball to first base. That's not a question mark. Um, and, like, Gene Segura has come here. He's been – he was hot before he got hurt, but overall, he's been a disappointment. And and he, but you can't also not try to compete when you've led your fans down a rebuild that ultimately failed. I mean, the rebuild got them Alec Bohm. Like that's, I mean, for the young players in this team, I mean, Bohm's the one that looks like he could be a real impact bat, and he's obviously off to a slow start. Spencer Howard, you hope can turn into something more than pitching and mop up duty today, which is again freaking ridiculous by Joe Girardi. If you're going to use him in the game, let's use him when you're facing Trevor Story in the biggest moment. Let's not wait till he busts the game open and then bring in Spencer Howard or crazy concept, your number one prospect, maybe put him in the rotation when he's 25 years old. You know, let's not continue to waste his time here. Have a plan. If your plan you have to be able to adjust. Their plan heading into the season was he was going to be their fireman that could get them three innings, come in, throw 97, blow guys away, and they'll go from there. But you're 21 games into the season, you're four, five, and six with Vinny. Stink. They're not good enough. Let's give the 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 number one prospect in your system a chance in the rotation to figure it out. Their usage of Spencer Howard is ridiculous. It was ridiculous today. To, for Joe Girardi to put David Hale, who is not a strikeout pitcher, to face Trevor's story was ridiculous, especially given the fact that Spencer Howard was in that game an inning later. It was a 3-2 ball game. What are you doing? Not all games are won and lost in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. You have to put fires out early in games sometimes, and that's what Spencer Howard was supposed to be. Egregious mistake by Joe Girardi. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Pat in the Lehigh Valley. What's happening, buddy? Hi, Jack. Two Philly-specific points, and then a, just a general baseball point. Yeah, you can't win. You can't be a contending team with 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 the back of the rotation pitchers like that. Yep. And you're right. David Hale is no no more powerful a pitcher than Chase Anderson. There's no there's no pr- progression there. That's where Howard needs to be in the game. Or like you said, make it a bullpen game. Have Spencer Howard go out and start and give you three or four innings at 97 miles an hour and go that way. Well, and, and another thing, Pat, it's like you got a big series against the Cardinals. Why are we wasting Spencer Howard for three innings or two innings when you're down 10-2? Like, you you need him in this Cardinals series. Like, why why are you just letting him waste all his bullets when Bailey Falter's there to make his debut? I totally agree. Second point, I would flip the lineup. Andrew McCutcheon, McCutcheon's not a leadoff hitter. He, his instincts are slow in the outfield. He can't catch up to fastballs. I would actually have Rio Muto or Harper lead off. Move Bohm to fourth and Gregorius to fifth. Alec Bohm is a, challenge him to be more of an aggressive hitter. You mentioned earlier about this. He, he's doing too much of this inside outing, uh, inside fastballs instead of turning it around. I, I'd rather have Harper or Rio Muto bat first, first or third, flip them around. Yeah, the problem with that, Patrick, and I appreciate the call, is I think Harper would do a great job in the leadoff spot. 
But then you're losing that bat in the middle of the order. And obviously you want him to get on base and he's getting on base at like a 500 almost clip right now, which is ridiculous. And they're wasting a, a throwback uh, Bryce Harper MVP type season so far. But you need him driving and runs in the middle of the lineup. You can't have him wasting at the at the leadoff spot. Um, but then again, you also can't have a 160 hitter uh, being your leadoff hitter. So it's uh, it's it's dark time for the Phillies right now. I am pressing the panic button. I'm wondering if you are as well. Uh, we'll continue taking your calls. But on the other side, there's some buzz. Uh, we're four days away from the NFL draft. Unbelievable. Four days away from when Howie can screw it up. Looking forward to it. But uh, there is some buzz building about them possibly trading back up and, and going after a certain player. I'll tell you who that is, and we'll discuss whether or not that's a good idea along with if you're, pan- if you're pressing the panic button on the Phillies. 215-592-9494 is how you join the program. Jack Fritz here with you. We'll get to all that coming up next. Yes, welcome back in. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP 215-592-9494. is how you join the show. Four days away from the NFL draft. I'm getting excited, also getting nervous. I mean, it's hard not to be nervous when it's uh, Howie season, which used to be uh, an endearing term. I mean, Howie season used to be like, you know, oh, what's he going to do next? And now you're just waiting to see how he's going to screw it up next. So, uh, yes, we are four days away from the NFL draft, and really interesting report here from uh, Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports. He says, if the Eagles move back up, the GMs I have spoken to believe it's for Pitts or a QB. Never rule out anything when it comes to the Eagles and potential trades. Yes, the, of course, qualifier of, oh, how he's so aggressive. He's the most aggressive guy in the league. He's going to be there, and he's going to he's always looking to make moves to improve this football team, even though the moves he makes in large part do not improve this football team. So uh, really interesting report there from from Jason Lockenford about the, the Eagles deciding to to possibly move back up. And I, I just think it's I think it's ridiculous. I, I don't know why they would try to move back up to take Kyle Pitts. I understand that he's a, a freak talent and he is a, a superstar, probably going to happen. Um, and like Daniel Jeremiah, who will join Marks and Reese tomorrow at four, set your calendars for that. Um, you know, he said that he's if he could bet on one player to be a Hall of Famer in this class, he would bet on it being Kyle Pitts. But why would the Eagles use another asset to go up and trade for a receiver slash slash tight end in Kyle Pitts? He could be a freak talent, but this team is not a receiver away from from being a playoff team to being a perennial contender to any of that stuff. Like they are they are a bad football team that needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. Why are you trading away draft assets to go up and try to get a freaking tight end or wide receiver, whatever they want to make Kyle Pitts? Like, if some people think he's Megatron, so he's a, just a, a super receiver. Like, it's it's not a good allocation of resources. It's not a good idea to give up draft capital in a draft where you have 11 picks to go up and, and get a tight end slash receiver. This team is not a, a tight end slash receiver away from – all of a sudden, us being back in on them, like they're a five-win football team next year that need that has holes all over the roster. N- n- drafting a, a tight end receiver is not going to change that. That's like it's it's a waste of resources. 
it's a waste of resources to 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 use draft picks to go get Kyle Pitts. So if it's for a quarterback, I get it. They've been so weird about not committing to Jalen Hurts and whatnot. So I get it. Um, if they go up and try to get one of these quarterbacks, especially if a guy like Justin Fields falls and teams are worried about the the report that came out last week about him battling epilepsy, you know, maybe he falls there and the Eagles can go up and snag him. That makes sense. Like if they're not committed to Jalen Hurts, that makes sense. But going up and, and trying to draft Kyle Pitts doesn't make the Eagles or doesn't get them closer to, to being a Super Bowl contender. He's not a, a, a foundation piece. You need talent all over the roster, not just at tight end. 215-592-9494 if you want to comment on that, react to that. Would you be happy if they trade up for Kyle Pitts? Get in now. We're four days from the draft. Confidence level on that, but we're also talking Phils. A lot of Phillies on the lines right now because they blew another one today. 12-2. 12-2 today to the to the Colorado Rockies. They're 2-7 and seven on the road this year. 78-121 and 121 since 2018. Brutal, brutal, brutal. They are too talented to, to be this bad. Simply put, too talented to be this bad. And I, my hand is all over the panic button on that and also High Roseman's draft strategy. So uh, let's head back to the phone and talk to Kyle in Morristown. What's happening, buddy? Hey, what's up, Jack? Uh, I got two Philly things related for you. One is kind of a broad question, but, like, when this season started, I looked at the Phillies team and I thought that they had a shot to compete for the NL East. Um, I know they weren't much improved from last year, but I thought their bullpen would be a lot better, and that seemed to be the Achilles heel last year. And now, 21 games into the season, I get the whole panic button thing. Like, I've hit it, too, and I just wanted to ask you personally, what what's your outlook on this team now? Should we still expect them to make the playoffs, or are they just showing us that they haven't made progression in four years? They've quote-unquote, like, giving up on this rebuild? No, I mean, I don't think you can expect the playoffs at this point. And and it's it's sad to say, you know, given where we are, um, they should be better than this. Uh, they have, again, this team is too talented. They have a manager that has a track record of success. They have a one through three that I think is really good, and they've been really good this year. And you mentioned the bullpen. It's, a, it's an improved bullpen. Obviously, no Alvarado and no Archie Bradley hurts, but... It's just you don't trust them. You never trust them, and they always feel like they're going to let you down, and they're they're doing it again, and it just hurts more this time, I think, because you look at the you looked at the team through the first six games, and you were like, they have a foundation here that could be a good team, but as soon as little things started going wrong, it all fell apart. That foundation started crumbling, and yeah, I, I think right now our, our hope has to be 83 to 84 wins. It's just disheartening, uh, like you kind of said, man. Like every game, you're just kind of getting to that point now where you're waiting for it to go wrong, and they've just completely wasted the hottest thing I've ever seen. The Phillies, which is also a shame. Um, and then my last thing I wanted to say to you was, major like, why is that so acceptable? Like, why before the season was it just like Joe and Co. talking like? You know, if Matt Moore and Chase Anderson can get us five innings and get us to the bullpen, we're gonna we're gonna think that as a success. Why why is why are you settling for that? I don't understand. Like these that that's not. I get it. Four and five starters aren't your one or two guys, but but to just be satisfied if they can get you through five, that's such a like dreary and pathetic outlook. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's the way they were built. I mean, they were they they've committed four million to Vince Velasquez. Vince Velasquez, they've committed $3 million to Matt Moore and $4 million to Chase Anderson. 
that's a pretty hefty investment on on guys that just aren't good enough to get the job done. And the thing that that annoys me about the idea of just get us five innings is the strain that it puts on your bullpen. I mean, we brought the stat earlier, but their their starters are averaging uh, like three point nine five innings per start, and that's not even four innings. So then you're 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 putting a strain on that bullpen to get through the rest of a, a game that also takes them out of if Eflin, Wheeler, and Nola falter. Now, luckily, those guys have been good this year, so they haven't had to you know rely on bullpen guys in those games. But you even saw it when Nola went four against the Mets in the doubleheader. It's like we have no one else to go to. So that that thought process is is just so flawed, and um, it's it's it's. I don't understand how they could sit there, see what Chase Anderson has been in the last couple of years, see what Matt Moore has been, you know, since 2016, and know what Vince Velasquez is, walk into a season and be like, you know what? Everything's fine here. Everything's fine here. We'll be okay. Just get us five innings and we'll figure out the rest. It's it's part of the reason why why my hand is all over this panic button because – the more strain you put on that bullpen, and we're seeing it now, where you know Connor Brogdon's faltered of late, uh, Jose Alvarado, you know he's a roller coaster when he's out there. Archie Bradley was pitching well before getting hurt, but you know when you don't have those guys, they don't have enough talent back there to to get through these games. And again, relying on Matt Moore and Chase Anderson to get you five innings, I mean that's a that's a tall task at this point. So it's not great. And it's not a fun place to be as a Phillies fan. 215-592-9494. Let's go back to the phones. Talk to Brian in Augusta, Georgia. What's happening, buddy? Hey, how are you? Good. How's Augusta right now? You recovering from the Masters down there? Oh, yeah. We're all recovered, and it's a beautiful night, man. It's like 70. Oh, sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. What do you got yeah. for me, Brian? Well, listen, you have nailed it so well. I agree with everything you said, except I'm not ready to slap the panic button yet. Because Girardi, we think he's an experienced and wise baseball guy, and he still has an opportunity to make some changes, right? Now, like the things you said, these four and five starters, we're not going to get anywhere with these guys. I hope Girardi hasn't decided, well, they'll they'll come into form or they'll they'll get better, because we don't think they will. I would like to see Spencer Howard used in the way you said. I would like to see Maton at the top of the lineup, and I don't want him to go to the bench. Um, one of the bright spots of the last few days, other than, you know, um, Reese and um, Bryce and uh, Bryce have had tremendous games. But, yeah. You know, that during the broadcast, they said we're hitting like, this was before the game, the team average is 245. And and you know what we've done with runners all, uh, in scoring position. Um, it, it, so I'm all over the disappointment. I'm disgusted, but I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet, man. Uh, Brian, I mean, listen, I would love to be there with you, but, I mean, the reason why I'm just hammering this panic button is I, I don't see this getting better. You know, you you like to look at the team and you like to see, hey, what can I kind of bank on here? What can I project to get better? The four or five starters aren't getting better until the trade deadline. That's two months away. So we got to slog through two months of baseball with Matt Moore, Chase Anderson, or Vince Velasquez until we get to the trade deadline. You hope that you are still in contention at that point to make a move, but given the track record of those guys, 
You probably won't be. You're seeing injuries in the bullpen. You're seeing guys not live up to it in the bullpen. Uh, you're seeing defense that has been brutal. I mean, they are, they are costing themselves out every single game. Every single game, they are leaving plays on the field. For a major league team, that is borderline shocking. For, this is major league baseball. This is not high school baseball, college baseball. You have to make the plays in front of you. Reese Hoskins has been a butcher this year. Didi has been a butcher this year. Andrew McCutcheon freaking sliding for the ball today and putting the game even further out of reach. I mean, they weren't coming back after he slid for a ball they should have dove head first for. Roman Quinn's not a good defensive player. Moniak's looking a little bit slow on reads, but he's an upgrade. Like, they, they're, they're leaving plays on the field every single night. We just brought up Andrew McCutcheon, the leadoff spot. He's batting 160. His OBP is hovering around 300. That's what we're getting out of the leadoff spot, and Girardi won't make a move because he trusts guys too much. He was called Binder Joe in New York for a reason. It's because he sticks to the guys far too often. You saw it with Connor Brogdon in the Giants series. This guy, from the first pitch, did not have it. But I was told he was going to use his gut and his eyes to test whether or not a player has it that night. He's going to use his gut, right? Oh, the gut feel to get guys in and out of games. He let Connor Brogdon hang out there and allow two three-run home runs. The manager was supposed to be this massive upgrade from what we saw before, but he did it again today. Again today with with David Hale coming into a game when he was going to use Spencer Howard in a big moment. David Hale comes in and allows a grand slam to Trevor Story. The game's blown open, and the Phils can't make a comeback. Like it's 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 sticking to guys. It's Andrew McCutcheon in the leadoff spot. Why is Andrew McCutcheon still in the leadoff spot? You hope that he can turn around, but hey, maybe he'll get better pitches batting seventh. You have to get Nick Mayton in this lineup. I know Brad Miller's been banged up. It was encouraging that he had an at bat late in this game to to hopefully means that he is ready to get back into the lineup. If Girardi has any sense of how to do his job, Nick Mayton and Brad Miller have to be in the lineup tomorrow against the Cardinals. You have to have either Brad Miller, Nick Mayton in left or second base. Andrew McCutcheon cannot be in this lineup anymore. He's batting leadoff, and it's costing this team. For as much as people make a big deal about center field, and listen, I get it. It's a problem. It is something that you hope can be fixed. But it's just one position where they're batting eighth. McCutcheon in leadoff is brutal. 4-5 is brutal. The bullpen is starting to falter more and more. And I just I can't see a path to them being a very good baseball team. Could they be 500? Sure. But the reason why my hand's all over the panic button and I slammed it down is because I can't see this getting better. 215-592-9494. Jack Fritz here with you on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Let's go back to the phones real quick with Mitch in Lansdale. What's happening, Driveline? What's going on? How's it going, buddy? Uh, You know, it's still sunny out here. Yeah. uh, I'm I'm glad I'm not in Philly right now. This is uh, a mess. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, listen, the sun's setting right now. It's definitely dark out, but it feels like the sun might be setting on this, uh, this Phil season. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm pretty close to the panic button. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think the one thing that's saving me, um, you know, this is, this is kind of why he brought Dombrowski in. This is the stuff he does. You know, he takes teams like this that are on the fringe 
you got to make a move. Um, I know one guy was complaining that like you got to you got to build from within, but sometimes when you go out and you get a Harper and you get JT, you can't you can't afford to wait to for these guys to develop. You just have to go get them. Right. Um, like we can't waste another Bryce MVP season. We we just can't. You know, trade for the guy that hit hit the grand slam today. Like Matthew Boyd's out in Detroit, just wasting away. He's yep. a solid left-handed pitcher. Like, go get these guys. The, the only way Matt Moore and Chase Anderson experiment made sense is if this is the end of the experiment. Like, I get you wanted to bring them in. See, like, Matt Moore looked good in Japan, but it's Japan. It's not the majors. Chase Anderson hasn't impressed in like the last two years. I, I get you wanted to get them to the cheap. But... I mean, it sounds like you got some dog problems out there. I mean, like. Yeah, we're. we're... The dogs are barking. Everyone hates the Phillies. Right yeah, now. I mean, it seems like the dogs are having a meltdown about the Phillies road record. Mitch, <laughs> appreciate the call. But, yeah, the dogs the dogs are barking. It's not even the dog days of summer yet. And and the the, the finger is all over the, the Phil's panic button. And, and I think rightfully so. I think rightfully so. I'm curious, what do you think? 215-592-9494. It's, it's, it's not great. It's not great. It's a team right now that – is showing all the flaws, even after 5-1, and one, you know, in, in what was looking like a good baseball team. After 5-1, and one, like I tried not to do this, and that's why it hurts so much to, to be where we're at with this Phillies team because I saw 5-1, and one, and I saw a team that was well-built, that had a good foundation of a bullpen, they had a deep lineup that was not hitting at the moment, and they had a 1-3 through three that I thought was really good, and, and to their credit, they've been really good. Eflin, Wheeler, and Nola have been really good. Eflin's been surprising me the most. I mean, he, he looks like he's legitimately in the, the ace-level discussion of those guys. But, you know, I didn't factor in 4-5 being this bad. I didn't factor in a couple guys going down in the bullpen, and all of a sudden, they don't have the same length out there. I didn't factor in that they would still, while being managed by Joe Girardi, who, again, in New York for a decade, he took a Marlins team in 2006 with a payroll of $22 million and got them to two games under 500. Joe Girardi, a guy with the 2017 Yankees, whose lineup was just dreadful, had Chris Carter, who was terrible, Chase Headley, who was not good at that point. Like, sure, they got 52 homers from Aaron Judge that year, but for a Joe Girardi-led baseball team to continue to be this bad on the road, is just it's just downright shocking. It is just downright shocking, and and until they fix that, until I see them perform on the road, I can't buy into this baseball team, and and it's why my my hand is is just all over the panic button. It's it's early, I get it. It's April. It's twenty one games, but the track record is there for this team that they are still the same team. They are still the same team, and honestly. That's what hurts the most. That's what hurts the most. 215-592-9494. Where is your panic button meter with the fills? Have you slammed it down like me? Or are you not ready for that? And we just brought up, uh, to, to begin this segment, uh, talking about trading up for the possibility of drafting Kyle Pitts. I think that would be utterly foolish. But I do think the Eagles should consider a trade-up. There's one guy I'm going after. I think they need to do it. It's a position of need, and I hope that Howie Roseman and the Eagles are listening because they need to do it. We'll get to that, and the rest of your phone calls coming up. 
825 on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Jack Fritz here with you. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Talking a lot of fills. Um, I, I press the panic button. I'm not usually one of those guys that overreacts to early season baseball, but the signs are all are pointing me in the direction of being worried about this baseball team. Want to know where you're at on that, but also four days from the NFL draft, there are rumors of the Eagles possibly trading up to go after Kyle Pitts or a, or a quarterback, and frankly, I think that's ridiculous to go after a uh, receiver for this football team, but there is a player who I want to trade up for, and I want the Eagles to go get, and it's Patrick Sertain II. That guy is a superstar cornerback in this league. I like him more than J.C. Horn. I'm not a J.C. Horn guy. I think he could be a good player, but when I flip on the tape, he's he's pretty grabby, um, and it seems like he's an athlete playing cornerback, whereas Patrick Sertain is a is a both a, a great athlete, but he's also a guy that, you know, you can just plug and play, put him outside next to Darius Slay, and you have, you know, your best quarterback tandem since Asante Samuel in, in the mid-2000s. I, I can't believe it's been... <laughs> over a decade uh, since the Eagles have had good cornerbacks. But that's the thing that hurt the most about about trading down and, and, and moving from 6 to 12 is that it puts you squarely behind the Cowboys and Giants, and those are two teams that both could use cornerback help. And it seems to me that the Cowboys are going to take Patrick Sertain the second. Like It seems like there's a lot of smoke in that direction. And it's it's a guy that makes sense for that team. They can't stop anyone out there in Dallas. They can't they can't stop anyone. So um, if I was if I was the Eagles and I'm Howie Roseman and we're talking about being aggressive and going up and and trying to get talented players on this roster, use that extra third round pick that will cost to get up to number nine with the Broncos and go get Patrick Sertain the second because he's a guy that you can just put on the opposite side of Darius Slay. And you could have solid quarterback cornerback tandem for the first time since Sheldon Lido. Honestly, it's been it's been it's been that long. Also that long since we trusted a Phillies team. But um like I just going up or or even if they stay at twelve and certain's there, I just hope that the Eagles take a cornerback and they don't go receiver. And personally, I think it would be utterly foolish for for Howie to take a receiver at twelve. They need guys that can stop offenses, stop opposing offenses. Like this, the NFL is a passing league. Everyone knows that. But just because it's a passing league doesn't mean that you you, you also have to stop those guys. You know, it's not just hey, let's have as many talented pass catchers as we can get, and we'll win football games. Like look at the Dallas Cowboys. They had Ceedee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup last year. They were eight and eight. Like you have to find guys that can stop opposing receivers, especially with, with the talent in the NFC East. I mean, the NFC East has talented receivers. The The Giants added Kenny Galladay. The The Washington football team added Curtis Samuel to go along with Terry McLaurin. I mean, the Giants, we just talked about it, but Kenny Galladay, uh, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. Like, that is a lot of talented pass catchers. Uh, you have the Cowboys, we just talked about, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. Like, those are some really talented opposing offenses that you have to go against, and the Eagles have no one that can shut them down at this point. I mean, you have, you have Darius Slay. You have whoever on the other side. I mean, Avante Maddox, great. Sounds like an awesome idea. Let's go into next year with Avante Maddox as your second quarterback. 
Uh, you have you have Rodney McLeod behind him, Anthony Harris. Like you hope that those guys are good. McLeod should be good. They can't take a receiver at twelve. Like you can find receivers all over a draft. You can find receiver. It happens every single year. The Eagles haven't been good at it. Like uh, like most teams can find talent all over the draft. The Eagles, no, they they refuse to do that. But it's it's a position that you can find all over the draft. You don't find shutdown, lockdown corners all over the draft. To me, the top four cornerbacks in all of football, Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore, Marlon Humphrey, and Marshawn Lattimore, what do they all have in common? They are top 20 picks in the NFL draft. Cornerbacks are taken early, and they are, they are guys that you can build around. Darius Slay is a fine player. I think he got exposed when he went against superstar talents last year. Overall, I thought he had a, a decent season. You need someone on the other side to stop the pass catchers that we just brought up. And you need to draft them early or else you're not going to be, you're not going to find corners. Richard Sherman is an anomaly. He's an anomaly. He's not, he's not the rule. And for me, the Eagles need to explore every possibility to go up and get a Patrick Sartain. Go, go ahead of the Cowboys. Because if he gets the 10, He's going to be a cowboy and how he needs to be aggressive. And he, he has to go up there and go after a guy like Sertain that can change this defense. You can find receivers all over the draft. Just be better at it. It happens every single year. Every single year, guys are able to find receivers all over the draft. Just because the Eagles haven't been bad at it doesn't mean you need to take a guy at 12, like a gadget player like Jalen Waddle. Like you have to be able to stop opposing passing offenses. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. And the final reason why I think the Eagles need to focus on cornerback over receiver and personally go up and get Patrick Sartain as he is probably gonna be there where in, in trade up territory is because truthfully, it has never been easier in the NFL to scheme guys open. And, and Nick Sirianni, when he talks, and most of the time that doesn't go well, but most of the time when Nick Sirianni talks, he talks about you know getting guys open and getting balls in, in the players' hands that can make things happen. Well, listen, any coach worth his salt should be able to make receivers get open in today's NFL. Like that's It's as simple as that. Doug, I thought, struggled at it last year. I mean, we saw way too many jump balls to Jalen Rager, which is ridiculous. Jalen Rager is not a jump ball guy. In most offenses, you are able to get players open. You're able to scheme players open. You're able to use the talent that you have to, to put up points. I mean, Jalen Hurts was getting close to 30 points last year a game. I mean, it, a lot of it happened in the first halves. Um, they, they were coming out hot, and then the second half they cooled down. But it's, 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 a, it's the easiest time in the history of the NFL to, to be able to scheme guys open. And taking a receiver at 12 is just a, a waste of resources. Trading up to go get a guy like Kyle Pitts is ridiculous. And also, if you really want a receiver, just stay at six and draft the best one. Like it's, I'm telling you, it would be ridiculous. I would be upset if they walk out of the draft on Thursday night with a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle. Like I would, I would view it as a mistake. I would view it as disappointing. I get it. Receivers are flashy. I get it. The Eagles have never had fun, good receivers. I mean, 
Deshaun and Macklin, yes. T.O., yes. For the majority of our lifetime, they've never been good at the receiver position. And I get it. They're flashy. They put up points. They're fun to talk about. But it's not how you win games in this league. You need to find a cornerback. You need to find a defensive secondary that can shut down opposing offenses. So if they come out of Thursday night with a receiver, I'm coming in Friday mad because it's not smart. It is not smart football management to take a receiver top 12. They don't win Super Bowls. They help you be a better, more fun offense, but they don't help you win long term. And we're also talking about the Phillies because, again, 12-2 today, another brutal loss on the road. I'm slamming down the panic button. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Let's talk to Jack up in Manhattan. What's happening, Jack? Hey, Jack. What's going on, buddy? Thanks for taking my call. Of course. uh, Congratulations on the new house. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's been a a long weekend of moving. I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit tired, Uh, but it's well worth it. We are very happy. The place is awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's good to be in a bigger spot, that's for sure. So thanks for saying that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I know moving is a pain, but uh, when you get that space, I mean, it's, it's worth it at the end of the day. What do you think about the fills, Jack? Uh, I am hitting the panic button with you. Uh, I'm calling it a vent a little bit because uh, I was very frustrated watching the game today. And I'm hitting the panic button because the construction of this roster. The team is so thin, Jack. The opening day team, I mean, it looks solid. I'm not going to lie. On paper, it looks good. But it just felt like we were walking on eggshells and just waiting for that first injury or, like, even the first slump was just going to put everything down the drain. And it started immediately with center field. And, honestly, I thought, again, on opening day, I was like, there's no way that Kingery, uh, Paisley, and Quinn can possibly all stink at the same time. I thought there's no way, like, we can skate by with one guy in the batting order being, you know, a mediocre hitter. But – if you think about it, like the last third of our batting order right now is just a complete black hole. And that's also kind of thanks to the new DH thing, which I know you're a proponent of, but that's, that's another story. Come on. You, don't, aren't you enjoying these Joe Girardi double switches? The double switches are entertaining. You, know, you never know when they're going to come out. You never know who's going to be batting where or who's coming in. Joe Girardi, but, uh, is, Joe Girardi is addicted to the double switch. It's like every second he can get the double switch, he will, he will take it. It is ridiculous. Yeah, I know it, but I mean, it's it's two automatic outs in the batting order, and that's it's so frustrating. And then they, then we go over to the rotation, and I'm just sick of the attitude that they're basically okay with losing two out of five games just by default by throwing out you know Anderson and Moore, and then they're going to follow up with David Hale. Why is David Hale on the team? I don't know, but it's just guaranteed losses. And I mean, God forbid Nola Wheeler or Eflin have a bad game because right then you just lose the series. Or if they have a good game and the offense doesn't show up, then you're you're losing the series, and that you're gonna that just leads to an under 500 baseball team. And it's just because we it's like we skimped out on the bottom players of our in our roster. It's like we skimped out on players 20 to 26. You know. Well, and Jack, what what, what hurts the most there is that like you're committing four million to Velasquez, three to Matt Moore, four to Chase Anderson, ten to Odubel, uh, six to Scott Kingery, twenty. Yeah. 20 to Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, that's a lot of money committed to a team that already has a payroll approaching 195, 200 million. It's, it's yeah, ridiculous. It's and they're not getting any return on investment. Totally agree. Uh, it's funny too. You know, McCutcheon's got a uh, $16 million club option next year. You think we'll be picking that up? Jack, if they pick that up, I will be uh, 
furious. I will go down to Citizens Bank Park and uh, demand them not to do that. It would be an utter disaster to, to pick up Andrew McCutcheon's option, um, and it would be it would be utterly utterly ridiculous. And yeah, listen, I mean, I talk about this a lot. The Phillies, I I live and die with this baseball team, and you know the the first week happened. And I'm I'm generally a, a very positive Phillies fan. I am not one of those fans like ah Reese sucks and they're always gonna let you down. But we're 21 games in now, and it's like man, the same stuff is happening over and over and over again. They are uninspiring on the road. They are a brutal defensive team. They can't get a freaking heat hit with runners in scoring position. Their four or five starters are brutal. The bullpen, while improved, is also you're just waiting and waiting for for the the impending doom that is going to happen. And the biggest part that hurts the most with this Phillies team is that I legitimately thought that Joe Girardi was going to be an impact manager. I didn't think he was going to be, you know, have them winning 10 more games because they're substituting Joe Girardi for Gabe Kapler, but I thought he'd be an upgrade. I thought his decisions would be sound. I thought he was going to use his his gut, use his eyes to know when to get guys out of games or or to move guys down the lineup. But what I'm learning more and more under Joe Girardi is that he has a plan, and when the plan does not go the way it's supposed to go for him, he does not know how to adjust. He sticks to it. He sticks by guys too long. He does not ride hot hands. I mean, he literally, I mean, with, with Brad, if Brad Miller didn't get hurt, Heading into the game on Friday night, Nick Maton wasn't going to be in the lineup. That's ridiculous. Nick Maton needs to be in the lineup every single night. It's 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 ridiculous. He's batting 450, and you just need to for an offense that is struggling to produce, especially with runners in scoring position. Uh, you know, just night in night out being not great, given the the track records on this team. You gotta ride hot hands like Nick Maton and. Hopefully Girardi comes to his senses tomorrow and puts Miller in left and and Mayton at second and catches out of the lineup and we, you know, hopefully get things going. You can't have a 160 hitter. I know it's 20, 21 games or whatever, but you can't have a 160 hitter batting leadoff. It is it is just utterly ridiculous. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four is how you join the show. On the other side, we're going to throw something into the mix because, uh, you know, one of the big talking points of this week was rock, paper, scissors. And I'm going to throw a little side thing into the discussion to go along with your Phil's panic button. I'm slamming it down. I want to know where you're at. And if you're at 12 and they take a receiver, whether it's Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell, would you be disappointed? Would you be mad? Because, frankly, I would be. This team needs cornerbacks. And any coach worth his salt can get players open in today's NFL. Do not waste the 12th pick in the draft on another receiver. It would be a massive mistake. We'll get to all that and all of your phone calls coming up next. And if you guys are wondering, I'll tell you, I think some of you guys are wondering, like, what game? We didn't go earth-shattering on these games, right? I played a couple of them at rock, paper, scissors, right? (laughs) That was as easy as that. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. I'm competitive. I'm going to be talking trash to him. Did you talk trash back to me? Right? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Nick Sirianni. Oh, so charming. Uh, such a real guy. Um, yes, the, the rock, paper, scissors quote that shook, I would say, all the sports media 
Uh, I guess they really haven't seen a coach like this ever, you know, in the NFL, being a head coach. Um, but the rock, paper, scissors, you know, got me thinking. And I want to throw it into the mix here at 215-592-9494. Give me your favorite childhood game. It can be board game. It can be, you know, gym class game. It can be whatever. I mean, your favorite game from your childhood because, really, that's what rock, paper, scissors is. Now, do I like my head coach competing against draft prospects playing rock, paper, scissors like a 12-year-old? No, I don't. I, it's, I don't think it's a great way to measure competitiveness, uh, especially since it's a game of chance it's not even there's not skill involved unless you're cheating um it's a ridiculous example to try to tell how competitive guys are and yes even though it is a child's game we did have it with marks and reese i mean we had the 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 rock paper scissors competition that swept the nation i would say i was Uh, was literally just about to say i know i know i know it's very child luck like to play uh rock paper scissors but just add it to your phone call tonight, 215-592-9494. Give me your favorite childhood game growing up. I'll start. My favorite game from my childhood was, and I actually, it's still, it doesn't, you can still play it. It's not like a childhood game, but it's a game I played more as a kid. I was a big knockout guy. I love knockout. And if you want to actually test these guys' competitiveness, I mean, you, knockout is a game that drives you crazy because you, like, like, you'll barely miss and the guy behind you will hit it and you'll be out. And if you don't listen, if if a player does that and doesn't slam the ball or get mad, I'm not drafting that guy. So if Nick Sirianni really wants to get some competitiveness, get these guys playing a game of knockout. Knockout was my favorite game growing up. I could still play knockout, and ultimately that would be a better level of a uh, better test of a guy's competitiveness uh, than than rock paper scissors, which was ridiculous. Anthony Foley producing the program tonight. What was your favorite childhood game growing up? I used to like playing manhunt. Yeah, manhunt's a good one. Yeah, manhunt was a good one. It's a good, uh, it's a good neighborhood game. You get along, get a, get with your friends. Um, you know, it'd be dark out, and I, it was a classic summer game. You know, yeah, when you're until, off until you're in somebody's random's backyard yeah. and they come out with a flashlight. Right, 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 right. As long as everything's safe, of course. Um, so yeah, so add that to the mix. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Foley, I saw on Twitter today that you're looking for a plus one. How that, how's that going? Uh. I- it, it crossed my mind this morning. Yeah, actually, it's funny you said that. How far away is the wedding? Wildwood. I know, I but how how far? Like, when's the date? Oh, about a month. Uh, Memorial Day weekend. All right. So, you, are you stressing at all about no, about I'm getting not, a plus one? No, I'm debating it though. But it's a weekend event, so do I want to spend three days with a particular person? Right. Uh, well, that's, that's a pretty big commitment. Yeah, that's a yeah, pretty big commitment. Least. Yeah, and you, know, and you know how weddings go. Yeah, you know how the night will go. So yeah, but a plus one. I mean, you got to spend three days. You have no idea. That seems like a lot of pressure. I like that you you don't seem flustered. You're like, if it happens, it happens. Like you're not back you're there. The flow guy. Yeah, you're not back there freaking out. Like if I don't get a plus one, like I'm gonna look like a total loser, yeah. um, heading to this wedding. So that's good. That's good work by you. Good work by you. But good, good luck on the plus one. And hey, if you want to be Anthony's plus one, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. But uh, talking a lot of fills, of course, we are reacting to another brutal loss, talking some Eagles four days away from the draft. And when you call in tonight, give me your favorite game from your childhood. We all have one. We all played them growing up. It can be board game. It can be recess. It can be whatever. But get in and let's talk some sports. Chris in Plymouth meetings up next. What's happening, buddy? Hey, Jack. How you doing? Good. Good. What do you got? So my cousin and I played a ton of wire ball, but while we were playing, we would ask each other sports trivia questions. 
Interesting. That sounds like a sounds like a different way to go about <laughs> that game. That game. What do you got on the fills, Chris? So I I'm not pushing the panic button because they're not good enough for me to worry about. They are a 500 team, and so they're not they're not in the running for anything this year. With, with their with what they've already spent on salaries for people who are getting overpaid, they're not going to be jumping in. They're not going to be spending money on what they need. And the two things where I think they're really overrated right now are manager and GM. I don't know all this why there's all this love for Girardi, and I don't know why there's all this love for Dombrowski. Yeah, well, the Girardi one I get. Um, you know, I thought when they when he came over from the Yankees, or you know, you know, when they when they hired him, they were getting a legitimate manager and an upgrade from Gabe Kapler. But what I've seen through a season in two weeks or twenty one games is is not much of an upgrade, if an upgrade at all, from Gabe Kapler. Too early for me on Dombrowski. I mean, he's he's traditionally been a uh, a trader, a guy that's going to go for it. Um, that's been wise and been around the sport forever. Um, but w- with him, it's it's interesting because it feels like he has an ownership mandate not to spend money uh, or not to spend a lot of money to go over the luxury tax and definitely not trading away prospects. So he kind of feels like he might be hamstrung a little bit, Chris. Right. Well, so first of all, with Girardi, he won one World Series with the Yankees. Yep. That's like having one profitable quarter at, at Amazon. That that doesn't tell you that he's a good manager. It just tells you he didn't screw up. Yeah, Chris, um, and I would generally agree with you there, but but the, the 2017 team was not very good talent-wise. He got 91 wins out of them, and they were one, one game away in a 2-1 ball game from going to the World Series. I mean, it was Game 7 in Houston against an Astros team that we know is cheating, and he had them right on the brink of a World Series. Like, that happened only a couple of years ago. So I don't know where that guy's gone, Chris. And what bothers me the most is I don't feel like he cares. And, like, it, he doesn't get – why hasn't he gotten run out of a ball game yet? The guy that I saw in New York was a guy that was fiery and was intense. And the guy that we've gotten here, he, he's not, he hasn't been fiery at all. He's been laid back. He's been calm, thinking everything's going to be okay. Maybe you need to light a spark under this team and get them going a little bit. I, I, I've been disappointed. Fair enough, Jack, but on Dombrowski, other than re-signing two of our own free agents, I don't see – and one of them got overpaid, uh, Gregorius. Riamuto, best catcher in baseball, so that was a good re-signing, but it was just a re-signing. Other than that, he hasn't done anything to impress me. Yeah, but and Chris, I appreciate the call. My one thing with Dombrowski is that he got here late. He had to learn the whole organization. He was not anticipating getting this job, and then it came down that Nashville wasn't getting a baseball team anytime soon or at least within the next four years. So he all of a sudden became available, and he kind of had to learn on the fly. I mean, by the time that Dombrowski took over, uh, Vince Velasquez was already re-signed. Um, there was a, 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 it didn't, he, he said this publicly, that he didn't think they were going to re-sign JT. And and Middleton, to his credit, said, "No, we'll we'll do it. We'll we'll do the financial commitment. We'll go for it, and, and all of that." So I think it's a little bit early on Dombrowski, but the the thought has crossed my mind um, of of maybe he's just here collecting collecting a check. Um, but it is tough for any general manager to operate when there is a ownership mandate not to go over the luxury tax and. To be frank, this team's probably not talented enough to go over the luxury tax, even if, you know, coming up to the trade deadline, they're they're still in the mix. I mean, John Middleton has said publicly that he will go over the luxury tax if he feels like he has a World Series contending team. And given where this team is trending right now, 
<laughs> I don't think we have a World Series contending team here in Philadelphia. Let's go to the phones again with Jack in Doylestown. What's happening, buddy? Hey, what's up? I wanted to complain about the uh, Phillies. Yes, let's but, do uh, it. This is the official uh, complain hotline for the Phillies right now. <laughs> well, I don't even – it's not even that I'm necessarily just mad about this team right now. I'm honestly terrified about this team's future. I really don't know how they're supposed to improve at this point. They've got a really high payroll. They don't have a great farm system. They've got a few nice players down there, but it doesn't really look like they have a great farm system. So I just don't know how this team is really supposed to improve. If we're a 500 team with this payroll, how are we supposed to get fill the gaping massive holes on this roster? I just don't really see this team making becoming a contender anytime soon. And it's so frustrating because we have top-of-the-line talent like Aaron Nola and Bryce Harper, who had two home runs today and still lost 2-12. to 12. I just, I just, I'm scared that this team's not going to be good again anytime soon. Well, Jack, the hope there is that you have uh, McCutcheon's money coming off the books this year. That's $20 million. You only have a one-year deal of Chase Anderson and Matt Moore. That's $7 million. You have four from Vince Velasquez. That'll be done. And then you have the Odubel Herrera contract, which will be $10 million. So you do have $30 million-ish coming off the books. Archie Bradley is $6 million. You see if you re-sign him or not. So, like, you're not going into next year with Andrew McCutcheon as your left fielder. That'll automatically make this team better. You're not going to have a 4-5 next year of, of Anderson and Moore. That'll make this team better, hopefully. So there is a way to improve there where you don't have to sink $20 million, uh into Andrew McCutcheon and, and those guys. So there's a, there's a way there. But I agree with you, like, Unless you're going out and spending money until they can figure out how to draft well and develop well and use the international market, the the, the outlook is really you're hoping you have an 86-win ball club and maybe you Bryce Harper has a ridiculous year and they're better than that. Yeah, and well, that's the thing. is It looks like Bryce Harper's having a really good season. He might be off to a great start and we just don't have the team around him and it's just so disappointing. Like I just feel like we're letting him down. You well, know, what happens if he's not as good next year, but we have a better roster? It'll be very frustrating. Well, yeah, and, and I appreciate the call, Jack. Yeah, we it does feel like we are wasting a Harper year. Um, I saw this stat from, from Ryan Spader, our good buddy Ryan Spader. In his last 162 games played, Bryce Harper, he's batting 281 with a 408 slugging percentage or a 408 on base percentage, a 555 slugging percentage. He has hit 42 homers with 108 RBI. Uh, and he's walked 117 times over his last, last 162 games played. And that's at the end of last year where his back was, was killing him to the point where he couldn't even throw a baseball. Like Bryce Harper is doing what you paid Bryce Harper to do. He is living up to the contract. He is, he is trying to carry this Phillies team on his back. He hit two homers today, threw at a guy at the plate. It was a 2 nothing ball game because of Bryce Harper. Like, you don't usually see baseball players being able to control a game like that. Like, Mike Trotz has been the best player in baseball for the last decade. Not a, an iota of success. I mean, but what Bryce Harper's doing right now is he is is contributing to a team's success, but it's not been enough. And it's it's disheartening. He is doing what you paid him to do. He is leading by example of playing hard. Um, and it's just it's just unfortunate when you have a game like today that got out of hand because the manager couldn't handle the situation. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Talking a lot of fills. Slammed down my hand on the panic button today. It hurt to do, but it, it, this is not going to get any better. 
talking drafts. If they if they draft a receiver at twelve, would your reaction be happy or would you be mad like me? And also, when you call in, give me your favorite game from your childhood off of rock paper scissors from our head coach Nick Sirianni. But also on the other side, the Sixers are going to be down a star again tomorrow, again with this. We'll tell you who that is and what's going on coming up next. 902 Sports Radio 94 WIP. Jack Fritz here with you. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Listen, it's been a long weekend. I was moving into my new house, which is very exciting, but also very tiring. So it was, it was, it was, it was a long weekend, that's for sure. And then I had to sit through a 12-2 Phil's loss, which like I watch every Phillies game, every inning of every Phillies game. And uh, today was one of those ones where I was like, wow, I wish I could turn this off. But uh, I had to get on and, and talk some final outs. So that was great. Excited to be here. Uh, programming note tomorrow, 4 o'clock on Marks and Reese. Daniel Jeremiah, the, the go-to NFL draft guy to me, uh, will join the show leading up to the draft on Thursday night. We're talking about that. I would be upset if they took a receiver at 12 because it's just not a good allocation of resources for this team. I would love a cornerback. I have also pressed the panic button on this Phillies team because I just I can't see this getting any better. And I, it's it, they'll they'll stabilize a little bit here, but I had aspirations of 88 to 90 wins, and I just can't see that happening. And um, what I've seen so far is just is just really really disappointing, um, especially given their their record on the road and stuff like that. So that's been horrible. And we're also looking for your favorite childhood games. Um, given Nick Sirianni talking about rock, paper, scissors. But to tease for the break, the Sixers are going to be down Ben Simmons again tomorrow night. That coming out today from from the Sixers injury report. And they finally figured out what, not figured out what it was, but they finally told us what it was. And it's the flu for Ben Simmons. I mean, he's been out for five straight games now with the, with the, with the flu. Uh, seems like a, a pretty serious thing. Um, you know, you hope it's not COVID related, but who knows? But it's just, I think there's my my two takeaways from from Ben being out is you really do see the value that he brings this team. Um, I mean, they they they've lost five straight. I mean, they're they're not playing good basketball right now. They got blown out yesterday in Milwaukee. Obviously, Joel Embiid didn't play. They lost on Friday. Embiid was fine. wasn't anything crazy. Lost to the Suns. B went nuts, but the team wasn't good enough. They couldn't get stops. Like Matisse Thybulle is a very good defensive player, but um, you need more than just Matisse Thybulle and, and Joel Embiid. And uh, my, like I have been pretty down on Ben, you know, given how frustrating he can be as a player. But you just see how much more crisp the offense is when he's out there. Obviously, you know, he's your point guard, so you're gonna <laughs> hope that your offense is crisp. Uh, when Ben Simmons is out there, but obviously the defense is, I don't know if it's defensive player of the year worthy. Cause that whole thing is just annoying. Like, like it, it annoys me to no end that it started with Tobias Harris talking about he's how he's an all-star. Then it turned into uh, Ben Simmons saying he's a lock for defensive player of the year. Why? I mean, <laughs> there's still a lot of seasons left or a lot, a lot of the season left and, and bead coming out and talking about how he's an MVP. Like I don't like that the three best players in the Sixers are pulling in different directions rather than thinking about a championship. Like 
if this is their first year where all the success is coming together and they're all meshing at the right time and they hadn't experienced playoff disappointment yet, like you would expect that from a young team. But this is a team that's been in the playoffs for four straight years. Like this is not your first time going to the playoffs or being a high seed. And right now they're blowing the one seed. But Ben's missing his fifth straight game tomorrow. And you can see the value that, that Ben brings this team. And hopefully it's eye-opening for people around the city who are like, ah, oh, Ben Simmons is a waste, whatever, all that stuff. And my second concern or worry about the Ben thing is how, like, how much weight is he losing? How much strength is he losing? I mean, he's battling the flu right now. I mean, that's, the flu is serious. He, he's, he's probably losing a good amount of weight, losing some strength. Like, it could take him a little bit to get going to get to the playoffs. I hope it doesn't, like, wipe him out to where when he comes back, he's like a shell of himself. I mean, rip Ben Simmons all you want, but the guy's in in freak-like condition. He's always in shape. He's never tired. Um, And the fact that he's battling the flu right now, I worry about not the rest of the regular season getting the one seed. I worry is this going to affect him in the playoffs. Like, for this team to do anything, to make a run, they clearly need Ben Simmons to be healthy and ready to go. And if he's missing five games, like five basketball games as a professional athlete in 2021 because of the flu, I mean, I worry about how is that going to go for the rest of the year? How is that going to impact him in the playoffs? Is he going to be able to get back and, and be the Ben Simmons that we had seen before? So it's definitely concerning, and they got to right this ship. I mean, it is – it is not great right now. I mean, Tobias Harris doesn't look healthy. Embiid, for as great as he is, he is looking tired. He is looking worn down. I mean, he's going for – he's pushing himself to win the MVP, and that's great. But I don't I don't care if Joel Embiid wins the MVP. I don't care if Tobias Harris thinks he's an all-star. I don't care that Ben Simmons thinks he's Defensive Player of the Year. I care about a championship. And, like – and be pushing himself to the limits that he's pushing himself to try to win the MVP. That doesn't really matter to me. I care more about winning series in the postseason and, and showing up at that point. So listen, the, the Sixers are, they are in a little bit of a scary predicament right now. Um, and you just hope that bank come back and, and be healthy and be the Ben Simmons that we had seen in the past. Let's go back to the phones. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. And let's go down to Dallas and talk to Scott in Dallas. What's happening, Scooter? What's going on? Nothing much. What do you got for me tonight? I, I, well, I want to talk to Eagles, but I want to hit on the Phillies real quick. Too, yes. Because uh, I know something that I want to bring up to you. You know, you know, it's not getting talked about a whole lot, and it's like the, a big hole in the team right now. That trade of Cole Irvin for basically Peanut. Cole Irvin's having a nice year in Oakland. Uh, I think he's uh, for a fifth starter. He's I think twenty-one innings. He's only walked three batters. He has like a three-eight ERA. I think he's given up one run in his last 11 innings. And I'm just looking at that, and I'm like, that is the guy we needed where Matt Moore has been pitching and then Velasquez. That could help the team so much if we didn't trade him for peanuts. And I just don't understand why we gave up on a guy so early. He doesn't walk batters. I, he seems to be using that changeup a lot now, and he's, he's a left-hander with size. Yeah, and, and the thing that's helping Cole right now is that he's upped his fastball velo. And, listen, I – I think Cole Irvin stinks. I know he's having a good year, um, but he is definitely he's 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 up to ninety three, ninety four now. And and the Phillies had that guy here, and they should have seen that velo coming. And given his track record of, you know, throwing strikes, it would have been nice if they kind of gave him a shot. I agree with you. 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish that too. We don't, we didn't need him to be like a two-three. It, it would just be nice to have him in five slot like Oakland has. They win half your games, keep your ERA under four. That's what you need. And don't walk guys. What do you <laughs> got? What do you got pressure. on the birds there, Scott? I, I really want them to draft, and I, and I think I we've talked about this before. That defense, you got to go cornerback. You got to try to get J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain. I, I don't want a receiver. I, I think the offense will be better if you can get the defensive side of the ball figured out. Um, I also think with the Eagles, all the negativity, for some reason I just feel like the team's going to be better than we're all expecting. And, and I'm not saying they're going to go out there and win 12 games, win 11 games, but I don't <laughs> think they're going to be nearly as bad as the, the narrative. I Listen, uh, Scott, I would love to agree with you there. I just don't see the talent. I, I don't see them having enough talent to – to truly compete and, and win those games. I mean, the one thing you hope for is that year one of Sirianni, his excitement and all that jazz, you know, they play hard for him year one, they're a young team. But honestly, like, I just don't see the talent being there and and I don't see them having enough wins to, or having enough talent to even get to seven wins. I, I'm hopeful. I, I think the three things we really need to count on is Goddard and Miles Sanders need to step up this year because they're kind of the two weapons on offense who should be producing at this point. And then we got to hope the offensive line can stay healthy. Right, if we Scott. Get those three things. Scott, what do you got? You got a, a childhood uh, game for me? Yeah, one of my favorite games growing up was Life, the board game. I used to love playing that. It was like the shorter version of Monopoly, and it actually had an ending, so you didn't play for hours. Life was great. Life was a great game growing up. Um, I would say growing up, that was probably my go-to. Like, Monopoly, I always wanted to play, but it was always so long, you know, and it, like, yeah, it's a lot of math. And I wasn't a big math guy, you know, but whatever. But uh, life was a good, simple enough game that Top was... three, for sure. Yeah, it's a good board game. It's a, it's kind of a shame that board games aren't a thing anymore. Like, I, I tried to get into it during the pandemic because there was, like, nothing else to do. Um, and, like, we got into Scrabble a little bit, but, you know, Scrabble's still, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thought-provoking. But uh, board games are just, they're out. I don't know. They, they, I, kids don't play board games anymore. Like, I was, was, I was like, a big look, Clue guy. Clue, yeah, yeah, Clue was good. Again, it was it was a little bit heavy thinking. You know, try to figure out who's killing people. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, board games just don't have the same bite anymore, and it's kind of a shame because they were kind of a staple of our lives growing up. But yeah, life's a good one. Life's a good one. Well, we'll your go-to board game is Clue. Yeah, it's a, that's a pretty good one. Two and five, five nine two. 94-94, and, and yeah, Scott brought up the Eagles draft right there. I, I couldn't agree more. Like, taking a receiver to me makes no sense given where we're at with this with this Eagles team. Like, they are, they are not a receiver away from being a good football team. They need more than that. And, like, when, when a talent like Patrick Sertain is sitting there that you can go and get, you can plug and play, put him opposite of Darius Slay and not have Avante Maddox and Michael Jaquette and Graylin Arnold and these guys who, like, no one's ever heard of but apparently are going to take reps at a cornerback. It's ridiculous. It's it's insane. And, like, I, I made this point a couple times, but it's it's never been easier for receivers to get open. Guys can barely touch them. And, and any coach, if Nick Sirianni is this offensive guru that, that Frank Reich sold on the Eagles, like, he's going to he's gonna have to scheme guys open. Doug struggled at it. But any coach in the modern NFL that is worth being there can get guys open. Like it's it's never been easier. So yeah, Jalen Rager, people are down on him, but he's 22 years old. He showed some flashes last year. Well, I wasn't great. Like he's a first round pick that 
is objectively he's talented. You just have to get the most out of him and not throw him jump balls like Doug was doing last year. You have Dallas Goddard who's a weapon. You have you have Travis Fulgham. I have no idea. Like I don't want them not to draft a receiver, but like take a Terrence Marshall in the second round. Take a Rashad Bateman in the second round. Like those guys are good, talented players that'll help you get better, but you're not wasting a top twelve pick on them. Like top twelve picks are where you get blue chippers. And you don't find cornerbacks all over the draft like you can find receivers. Every single year, there are receivers, second, third, fourth, fifth, wherever, that come in and help football teams. You don't have to draft a receiver top 12 to make your team better. You don't have to. They're good players, but ultimately, they don't lead to great team success. You need more than that. You need to be able to stop receivers. And that's what a guy like Patrick Sertain does. That's what cornerbacks, elite cornerbacks do. I mentioned this before. The best cornerbacks in football, Marlon Humphrey, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, and Stephon Gilmore. They're all top 20 picks. Like that, There's too much proof in the pudding of where you get elite cornerbacks. You get them where the Eagles are picking, and they have a chance on Thursday to have a lockdown cornerback and the best cornerback tandem since, since Lito and Shelvin. You cannot miss. You cannot mess that up to take a Jalen Waddle or a Devontae Smith Jr. You can't do that, and I really hope that Howie does not. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Let's go talk to Ron and Monco. Ron, how you feel about those fills? Fritzy, getting the call up. That's right. I'm just like I'm Atta just boy. like. Some are saying that this shift is like uh, Nick Maton, the Nick Maton of WIP right now. It's all about the O. On base percentage, kid. That's it. You got to be there. Yo, listen, very. I'm glad that you're saying what you're saying about this this Eagles situation because, you know, I am not taking number twelve, which is my number one, when I'm in the midst of recreating the Philadelphia Eagles because that's what they're doing. Okay, you can, that there's too much risk involved. The Waddle or the Smith, okay? To me, if you were, you know, pretty stacked, that to me would be a luxury pick. But when you're trying to rebuild your football team, no. You can't take a risk like that. The the kid's too small. Plus, you know, you go defense, you go offensive, defensive line. Get the nuts and bolts. Get the the bones to this team together. Right. I mean, Ron, Ron, you know as much as I do. Games are won and lost in the trenches. And yeah. like like Quiddy Pay, I, I, none of these guys excite me, you know. Yeah. Along the defensive line, Rashawn Slater is fine. I think he could be a good player. But if I'm going to go into this draft, get me a lockdown cornerback the day one that I can put out there that I know is going to shut lock, down the opposing team's receivers. Lock down anything, Fritzy. Lock down anything. You your drafts have to be guys that you think that are going to be around for seven to ten years. The nuts and bolts of the franchise. You can't go out and get a kid that's 166 pounds, soaking wet, and thinking that he's going to, you know, kick butt in the NFL. You just, you just can't do it. We don't have that luxury. Okay, so I'm just glad that you're, you know, you're thinking right because Seltzer and ESPN are out of control with this. You well, I mean, mean, that's we expect that from ESP. Oh my God, they're, they're they live on another planet with this. But, but listen, I, you know. If you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a crapshoot. We all know the history here with the draft picks. I mean, 
this has been their demise. So until they're ready to get serious about being unified about their their war room, you know, nothing's really ever going to change. So so we'll see, you know. But the Phillies, I just all I want out of them, Fritz, uh, just entertain me this year. That's all. Well, you know what I mean. Well, Ron, they're not doing a good job of that. They are not doing a good job of entertaining you so far this season. I mean, it's just been. <sighs> It's just been it's it's been really draining given what I given what we all saw when they were five and one. I mean, when they were five and one, it was a it was a looking like they had a well built, solid baseball team. You could see the holes, you saw center field, you saw no right handed option off the bench. But what you didn't see was the depth behind the main guys in the bullpen not being great. What you didn't see yet was Matt Moore being a disaster. Chase Anderson being just a guy like you could, you could, you, you hope that he can get more out of those guys and they've all just fallen flat on their face. And you know, they're, they're two and seven on the road again. Like they're, they're a bad baseball team on the road again. And there's just, there's too much experience here, both in the manager and in this team for them to continue to be bad on the road. And it's just, it's just really really disappointing and to lose a game today 12-2 in what was a must win and not must wins a stretch so far but was a game that against a Rockies team that is bad that that is, is the worst team in the NL West they're dysfunctional all of that and to lose that game today in a game in which Harper has two homers makes a play at home there's a lot of momentum there on their side and to blow that today it's just it's, it's just hitting me more and more that we should be hitting the panic button on this team. They're not good. And it's just it's just really disappointing that for the third straight year of high expectations, that we're back to square one and it feels like it's Groundhog's Day. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show talking draft. Philly's disappointment. Give me your best your favorite childhood game growing up. But also, this hasn't been talked about a lot, but I want to bring it up because for as silly as Nick Sirianni was and how worried I am about him being the head coach, I had a different main takeaway from the press conference on Thursday than most. Um, it's something that I think could be franchise-altering for the Eagles. We'll get to that and the rest of your phone calls coming up next. Nine twenty-five Sports Radio ninety-four WIP Jack Fritz here with you two one five five nine two ninety-four is how you join the show. A lot of takeaways from the Eagles press conference earlier this week. Of course, I mean it was a lot of Sirianni discussion. Uh, he kind of captivated the whole sports media world with the rock paper scissors thing. And yeah, I don't, you know, uh, Nick Sirianni seems like a great guy. I don't think he's going to be a good head coach at all. Like I just, it's too much for me. He sounds like a position coach. He sounds like a high school coach and whatever. But the, the, the one takeaway from the press conference that I thought was fascinating and something that I don't think has been talked about enough was how, how he basically just played point guard the entire time. And anytime he got a question about the draft, immediately passed it off to Andy Weidel. And I just wonder if that's something that, shifts it's gonna it's gonna cause a shift with the Eagles to where Howie is being phased out of the drafts and Andy Weidel is going to be more involved and more of a presence with this team kind of how Joe Douglas was 
um, during his time here. So I do wonder if part of Jeff Lurie's thing with how he's keeping his job is him him being less involved with the draft. And that ultimately that would be great for the Eagles if Howie is less involved with the draft and, and doesn't have as much say and, and whatnot. He might still have final control, but hopefully Jeff comes to his senses and says, hey, listen, stick to the draft board, stay with it, don't go off path to take guys that you think are great and stick with the football guys in the front office that have run, you know, have created their draft board and have got guys right in the past that you have chosen differently. And I just thought it was fascinating how Howie just kind of any draft question he got, he gave a quick answer on it, but then passed it off to Andy Weidel and made sure that he was involved in it and that he was getting most of the conversation out there. Now, the contrary to that could be that they're setting up the next fall guy to, to make Howie keep his job, right? It could definitely come down to, oh, we'll get another bad draft. Yeah, that's Andy's draft. I mean, we, we you saw him last year, how involved he was, all that stuff. That That's not Howie's fault. But I did think it was interesting. And, you know, the one thing when Howie came back from, from his hiatus and got the, the GM job back, one of the things that he was very committed to was having help and, and trusting the guys around him and, and being collaborative and a team guy. And I think that he's gotten away from that post-Super Bowl. And with the way that he handled the press conference the other day, I wondered if they're getting back to that. And they're getting back to trusting the football guys in that organization. And hopefully we can kind of get this thing back on track. So to me, I thought that was interesting and something that is definitely worth monitoring. And if they make picks on Thursday – that aren't outlandish. It's not a Marcus Smith. It's not a Jalen Hurts in the second round. It's not a it's not a Danny Watkins, like one of these head scratching picks, and it's something that's true to a draft board or they move up and take a guy that they really wanted. I think we'll be able to tell that on on Thursday night. It's not taking a Jalen Rager over a Justin Jefferson. Like good, sound football decisions. It'll be interesting to see um how it plays out. But with the way that they handle the press conference, I feel like Andy Weidel is going to become more and more involved and kind of be what Joe Douglas was um, during his time here at the Eagles. 215-592-9494. Pete in Springfield is up next. What's happening, Pete? Mr. Fritz, great to hear your voice. Oh, appreciate it, Pete. What do you got for me tonight? Uh, well, I want a manager that knows how to make adjustments, okay? So do I. There, there is uh, two, two, the two hottest power hitters. One has six home runs and ten RBIs. The other one has six runs and 12 RBIs. So back-to-back at the beginning of the lineup after an inconsistent um, Andrew McCutcheon, okay? Meanwhile, meanwhile, the hottest slap hitter in the, in the lineup since after the first weekend has been a combination of Gene Segura slash uh, Maytag, okay? They're batting seven. Why? If you want to keep McCutcheon first, okay. But second should be Maytag slash Segura. Because they're going to get on, okay? Then you, then you go Harper. Then you go Ramuto. Then you put um, uh, Didi, because he will get off from time to time. And then you make Hoskins your six hitter. That way you can get productivity with guys on from two power hitters that are spread apart in the lineup. Not back-to-back. And I just think it's time for this guy to start making some adjustments. Well, I, however they make the lineup, as long as, as, long as Miller and – 
Maton are in the lineup going forward until Maton cools off. That's how. That's what I care about. Like Andrew McCutcheon cannot be in the leadoff spot anymore. You can't keep banking on him, on him with the back of the baseball card saying he's always been this guy. He'll continue to be this guy. He is not the same player. And and Pete, I don't know about you, but when they hired Girardi, I thought I was going to get more eye test, more gut. And it seems like he just has a plan and he sticks to it until it becomes painfully obvious. Does it seem like he might be the Phillies version of uh, the new Eagles coach? Just does what the what the front office wants? No, because they they paid. I mean, he was here before Dombrowski. And they paid him to be a difference maker, and and so far through uh, sixty games and and two weeks here, he hasn't been that. Yeah, well, I, I have a feeling um, the whole thing with McCutcheon might decide, might um, resolve itself sooner or later. After that play that he misplayed, he had this look on his face like. I'm done, okay? I got a feeling we're going to see another Mike Schmidt with him sometime during the season. He's probably going to retire. And then they're going to have to go with another left fielder. Um, and then I really think as far as the back end of the rotation, I still think, to me, I've seen enough on the minor league side. There's a guy named Adonis Medina. Mm-hmm. He's a fireball, okay? I believe he's going to be your number four or five before the end of the season. Along with Spencer Howard getting in there at the same time. I he- think – yeah, thanks for the call, Pete. Adonis Medina was a massive prospect a couple years ago. He's up there with Sixo Sanchez. Um, there was always those rumors around 2017, 2016 of, of him for Manny Machado. Um, he's kind of fallen off the prospect luster. Uh, he came up last year and made a start and was kind of uninspiring. I'm not a big Adonis Medina guy. If they were gonna, if they were gonna fast track one of those prospects, I would rather be Francisco Morales, um, who dominated dominated today at the alternate site. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, if you're the the Spencer Howard usage is ridiculous. Like, there's no reason to have Spencer Howard in that game today doing mop up duty. He's your number one pitching prospect. It's either two things: one is get him in there for the Trevor Story at bat. It's bases loaded and their best players coming up. Give me a guy that can that has some power that can at least hopefully strike a guy out, not a ground ball pitcher that relies on contact and also isn't that different from Chase Anderson, or put him in the freaking rotation. The 4-5 in this rotation is god-awful. They're averaging 3.95 innings per start, less than four innings per start from your fourth and fifth starter. That is ridiculous. He is your number one pitching prospect. Either use him the correct way or put him in the rotation. But to have him doing mop-up duty today in in a in a meaningless game that was out of hand over a guy like Bailey Falter, who's a starter that start, start a term reliever that you can get some length out of, and you know he can jack his ERA up as much as you want. Like it's it's whatever. Like he's a, a an intriguing prospect that can do some things, but. Like, you need Spencer Howard in the Cardinals series. Like, you're going to need him there. Why is he pitching so much today in, in, in a game that was out of hand? It was the Spencer Howard usage is just, it's strange to me. Um, I know they want to limit his innings, but if you're going to limit his innings, at least put him in a, in a good situation. Like, like today, when he could have came in for the Trevor Story at bat, and that game hopefully doesn't get out of reach. So, disappointing to say the least. 215-592-9494 is heading to Delaware and talk to Jake. What's happening, buddy? How you doing, Jack? What do you got? Uh, I was just, you know, wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the first two rounds specifically. 
Uh, I mean, I know I was just listening to you. You were talking about how the birds really need to hit on some cornerbacks and really, you know, make that, that secondary something that it hasn't been for a long time. With, with a guy like Jonathan Gannon, who, you know, at least reportedly is a guy that really can develop young secondary talent, what are your thoughts on going back-to-back? If a guy like Greg Newsome or Asante Samuels Jr. is in that 37 pick, I don't think Greg Newsome will has any shot of being there. But, yeah, me you know, too. Crazy things have happened. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thought. I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. seems like a, like a really intriguing prospect. I don't love the idea of just going back-to-back and trying to knock out one position because, you know, they're, they have so many holes. Um, it's not like they're they're two cornerbacks away from being a, a good football team, and I do think that Darius Slay can still play a little bit. But to me, I mean, if they, if they go corner and then at, at 37 they want to use a pick on a Rashad Bateman or – or Terrence Marshall, I would be happier with that than 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 the alternative of a Devontae Smith Jr. at twelve, and then uh, a Greg Newsom or or Asante Samuel Jr. at thirty seven. No, I, I'm with you. I've I've been a big Terrence Marshall guy, and if Rashad Bateman falls, I think he would be an absolute steal at thirty seven. And you know, I just think that that wide receiver is being a, a position that so many people are just dying to fill. Yep. But with with uh, with Sirianni, at least reportedly again, you know, like much like Gannon with his position class, but with Sirianni being somebody that, that is at least known to be somebody that can get the best out of that position class, why not, you know, let him see what we can do with Rager? I certainly am not giving up on the guy. I think this is, you know, Rager breakout sophomore season. Well, I, I I can't be one to talk about breakouts because I got a bad track track record with that, Jake. <laughs> um, but but I agree with you, man. Like I he was. He showed flashes last year of being a good football player. Like, I know he's wearing number 18, but he reminded me a lot of Macklin. And I just think that he was used in such weird spots last year. Once a game, I felt like Doug was throwing him a jump ball. It's like, why are you throwing a jump ball to Jalen Rager? He's 5'11". So so I'm with you, man. Like, listen, if Sirianni can't get the most out of this receiver group or we can't see improvement, then they might have a – big problem at, at head coach because that's what he's supposed to be good at. I mean, you heard him the other day, Jake. He's talking about, he's like knocking down microphones talking about receivers. Like, if he can't coach them up to a point where they show clear improvement, then what is Nick Sirianni doing here? No, 100%. I mean, and, and I'm with you dead on with what you're saying about Peterson using uh, using Rayer completely wrong. He needs to be used like a Curtis Samuel. Use him in an end around. Use him in a screen. Get this guy in space. You know, they give him a power turn. He takes to the house. They return two more punts the rest of the year. Like, you see what this guy can do. He's not a fly route, jump ball, every single play guy. He's a, he's a guy that needs to be used in space. Get him the ball quick and let him utilize his skill set. So that's, that's something that really excites me with Sirianni. At least you're getting a guy that's not afraid to show who he is. He's, he's a goofball. He's a goober. He, he's very exciting. He's very energetic. But he's not afraid to be that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I appreciate the call, Jake. It's just – I just fear that as the season goes on and I don't think they have enough talent to, to be a legitimate playoff contender and he's still doing the corny like, oh, my second core value is competition and all this stuff. Like, my problem with Sirianni is that these are grown men. These are professional athletes, and they expect to be treated as such. They don't want to be treated like high school players where, like, you got to compete on everything and compete in the, you know, who's first in line to get lunch. Like 
these guys are professional athletes and they want to be talked to like they're professional athletes. And like, I understand that's who he is. And I think Nick Sirianni, I don't think he's putting on an act, but I just don't think it's something that translates to professional athletes. I think he sounds like a position position coach. And that's because he has been, he has been a position coach, but I just don't know how you, you step in front of 53 men and, and talk about rock, paper, scissors and competing and how excited he is to be there. And he gets to coach offense and defense. And it's just, I just envision a lot of eye rolls, a lot of this guy's a joke, all that stuff. Like professional athletes are professional athletes. They are getting paid to do this. This is their job. And to treat it like it's high school or division three football, or like your brother's state championship high school football team where you're running the wing tee. This is the NFL, you know? And the, and like, there's so many people that try to compare Nick Sirianni to Doug and Charlie and how we were so wrong about those guys. Those guys had legitimate experience. I mean, Doug played under Andy Reid, Don Shula, Mike Holmgren. He coached under Andy. Like, he, he, he had some good mentors. Charlie Manuel was a manager of the mid-'90s Indians teams that were loaded. Like, that's legitimate experience that they can draw on. This guy is a Division three college player that coached Division two. eventually worked his way up through the NFL. Like, they're going to ask him about his playing days, and, and these NFL players are supposed to react to a guy talking about his Division three college record? Like, that'd be like me talking about my college record as to why, like, Aaron Nola should listen to me. That's not going to work. So, it's uh, he seems like a nice guy. I just I don't see any shot that he's the Eagles coach in two, two years. Like, I think – I think he has two years. He's out, and we move on. And we and the Nick Sirianni era is a footnote in Eagles history. I I would love to be proven wrong, but I don't think there's any chance that guy's gonna be a good NFL head coach. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four is how you join the show. On the other side, there is a fourth or fifth option out there that would help the Phillies, and it's something that Dave Dombrowski, the second he becomes ready and available. He should pounce on that opportunity. I'll tell you about that next. And we will cross over with the one and only Ricky Ricardo. All that's coming up next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 945 Sports Radio 94 WIP. Jack Fritz here with you for the next couple of minutes. We're handing it off to Ricky Ricardo, of course. Is this bad? The Phil's four or five spots in their rotation through eight starts. 7.39 ERA, 1.77 whip, and they're averaging less than four innings per start. Those stats courtesy of Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad. Not great, but there is one guy out there that would really help them out, and it's worth a call when he's ready. Especially, it's, He's not supposed to be ready until June. Uh, he's starting to throw for teams, but... When he becomes available and ready, they have to give Cole Hamels a call. I can't believe I'm at the point where asking for Cole Hamels to be coming back. But I know this. At least if they sign Cole Hamels, that he'll be able to throw strikes and still get guys out with that changeup. Like, I watched Matt Moore so far this year, and I was sitting there saying, you're telling me Cole Hamels couldn't be better than this guy? And I Again, the whole nostalgia thing, not a fan, but there's a legitimate need here. He won't cost much money. He's been injured the last couple of years. I get it. It's a no-risk, moderate upside signing for a team that 
He's still trying to compete. Wouldn't cost him much, but he would make this rotation better, and he would feel like he would at least have a chance. He could give you five to six innings, three runs or less on most occasions, I would think. And it would just be a perfect, you know, kind of wrap up to what was a great career and a a Phillies wall of famer. I don't know if he's worthy of getting his number retired. Like I think that, I mean, obviously they have the whole thing about how you need to be in the hall of fame to get your number retired. They changed that with Dick Allen. He should be in the hall of fame. He will be in the hall of fame. I'm sure. Um, But like Hamels is an all time Philly. He would help this team right now. Their four five is brutal. I watch Matt Moore and I think Cole could at least do this. Is it great upside? No. Is it is it is he gonna come back and be the Cole Hamels of old? No, he's not. But I think he can help this ball club. And I mean, really, if you can if you have four starters with Velasquez, Hamels, Moore, and Anderson, like if one of the guys go down, like an Eflin, whatever, you have a chance. Like there's no reason not to sign Cole Hamels. And you have to go and make that move if you're serious about competing right now. And they are. They're not doing a good job of competing. It's been a it's been a slog. It's been awful on the road. But adding a Cole Hamels, and you, you saw what he did with, with Max Freed last year in Atlanta. Even though Hamels didn't pitch, you know, he he made like one start for the Braves. Like he helped all those young guys along. And maybe they need a guy like Cole Hamels that can come in here and be that veteran presence and can kind of stabilize things. We hopefully help them on the road, everything like that. I mean, you're going to listen when Cole Hamels talks. And I think that when he becomes available, when he's ready to go, Dombrowski has to make that call. He, I saw yesterday that, you know, they were out of the Anibal Sanchez throwing thing. Like, Anibal Sanchez does, has nothing anymore. He has no upside. There's no upside to, to, to signing Anibal Sanchez. But they're out there looking, and, and rightfully so. They should be out there looking. But if I'm Dave Dombrowski and I have a chance to bring in Cole Hamels, add him to that pitching room, you know, hope you can get five to six innings per start and you know, four runs or less, like stuff like that, I think it would go a long way for this baseball team, and it would be like a lifeline. It would be a lifeline for a team that is uh, you know, struggling at the moment and <laughs> – I don't think it's going to get much better in the four or five spots. So um, it would be a fun story. It would be like Pedro in 09 where he comes in and late, late in the season and tries to give this team a little bit of a boost. But um, if I'm Dave Dombrowski, the second Hamill says he's available, uh, I'm, I'm calling him in. I'm bringing him in. And just like that, we are bringing in Ricky Ricardo. Ricky, how are you doing, buddy? How are you? Fritzy? I'm good, man. I'm good. You bringing in wait Cole? Minute, wait a minute. What do you want? You want Cole Hamels? Yeah. Yeah, when, when Hamels is ready, willing and able. Were you there? Oh, n- well, I'm referring to the Phillies. Were they there this week to watch Anibal Sanchez? I, who, who would be much better than either of the two guys that you're, or, you know, would be an upgrade. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... I, I, if they weren't there, I think it's a problem, right, Ricky? Um, and plus, I mean, Dabrowski, you know, had him in in Detroit, and and that stuff. So I'm sure they were there. But man, Anibal Sanchez does nothing for me. Four or four or a five. But that's what we said about Chase Anderson and, and Matt Moore. Mm, I'm disappointed in Matt. You know, Matt Moore didn't look that bad in spring training. I did his. I did a couple of his games. Ricky, I thought he had a no. good plan of attack and. 
I think JT's gotten away from it. It was Andrew Knapp that was calling most of those games. It was fastballs in, change-ups away. Right. And he hasn't done that at all since he's been on the Phillies. So, um, yeah, it's been disappointing. Ricky, are you uh, are you pressing the panic button with this no, Phillies team? No, no, no. You've got to calm down. Can't do it. Can't do it. Like, What is going to get better with this team? Okay. You watch this weekend. Look, losing in Colorado is one of those deals where you just – Put that off to the side. The last time they won in Colorado, do you know who their third baseman was? Probably Scott Rowland. Ty Wigginton. Ty, Ty, I was still doing the game. Ty Wigginton yeah. with him and Wes Helms. Actually, they had a they had a, a run there after yeah. Rowland where it was like, well, David Bell's my least favorite Philly of all time, followed by Wes Helms. Why? Because he was the he he was just he felt like he was miserable to be there. He wasn't fun to watch. Okay, and like Ricky, for my own sanity. I need someone hit for the cycle so we can erase the David Bell era from the time here. I got there in 2007, okay? And I remember being in Colorado for the playoffs when we got blizzarded out Mm -hmm. of a game. Literally a blizzard where we couldn't even leave the hotel. Was that bad? Yeah, that's what happens in Colorado. And then it gets wet. Yeah, they lost the the Jeff Francis, (laughs) Ubaldo Jimenez, uh, Young Cargo. Young Cargo. Young Cargo uh, still had, uh, did they have Bichette back or guys like that? No, the Bichette was. No, Bichette was way back. Yeah, that's that's like. They had uh, Matt. um, uh, Holiday. Holiday. Yeah, they had Holiday. They had Tula Witzke, a young Tula. I mean, that was a a good rock. Todd Helton. Yeah, yeah. Old Todd Helton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just they just. I feel like every time they go to Colorado, yeah. it's always they lose in the worst possible way. I'm throwing these Colorado games. Yeah, but but here's the thing, and I wish we could do that with all the road games, but they're 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 77 and 121 since 2018 on the road. Not good. <laughs> not, not definitely not good not, at all. Not good. Now, how many in St. Four? Right. Yeah, I think so. Four in St. Louis. All the weird 7:45 starts, by the way. Seven forty-five. Then a probably a, a getaway day is a day game. Yeah, on, on Thursday, right. which gives us all time for the draft, and it's a beautiful one. Thursday uh, is a day game because I know it's during Mark Reese. So yeah, so that we will not be doing drafts. Yeah, MLB isn't dumb, by the way. They probably limit the games on Thursday night because they know they're going up against the NFL. And their ratings have been good this year. They're doing well. Yeah. they're doing well. So it's a good start for baseball. Uh, I'll sign up right now, and I know you will too, for a split in St. Louis. Ah, oh, listen, I will be doing. Jumping jacks and cartwheels okay. if they split and say those. Get me back to Citizens Bank Park with a split against the Cardinals. Uh, I've had some dreary days, by the way, in that stadium, too. I remember a squirrel. Yeah, 2011. Yep. Yeah, I remember that squirrel came out. I watched that thing go across. the Ben Francisco yep. hit, a, hit a home run that day. He did. He right. did. I mean, what a, I mean, of all the brutal things of that series, you know, Cliff yeah. Lee blowing the 4 nothing lead, Roy Halladay, Game 5, which – there's two home runs in that game. There are home runs any other night. The Ibanez ball and the Utley ball. Yep. And then there's the squirrel. Which it was the squirrel was the turning point of the series. Utterly ridiculous. For Pete's sake. Get us back to Citizens Bank Park by the weekend with a two two split in St. Louis. That would make a three and four. You give me a three and four road trip. Oh, wait a minute. They play three or four in Colorado. They have uh, three. They play three, yes. Give me a three and four road trip with Colorado involved. I'll take it. I would too, but I mean, two and seven this year on the road. No, I get it, and and it's just it just frustrates. Now you're down on Girardi, and I, I I gotta you know dive deeper into this. Why? Well, what is he good at? What has Joe Girardi done so far? They'd be like, that's the staple of a Joe Girardi I, team. I will agree with you on one thing. 
I would have used Spencer Howard different. I actually have Howard. I'd have him in the rotation. Well, it's, uh, today was pointless. Like, what are you pitching him for when the oh, game's yeah. already over? Right. I mean, like, he's just. I, I would have gave the lefty. What's the, the young kid that made his Bailey Falter. What's his name again? Bailey Falter. Bailey, yeah. <laughs> Bailey Falter. Oh, a heck of a baseball. Yeah, it's not, it's it's not heck, great. It's a heck of a baseball. Yeah. I'd have gave him the shot right there. The game's out of reach. Right. Well, and especially because you need Howard for the Cardinals series. Like, right. You would hope he's good to go for the Cardinals series. Yeah. But like, I never want to see Vince Velasquez pitch, a, I mean, another inning in a Phillies unit. But I've said this for the last three years. Well, yeah. It's just, it's never fun. Like, it's 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 funny because he's kind of fun with everything else besides when he's on the mound. Like, when he yeah. hits, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he plays the field, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's just like, when he's on the mound, I've never experienced something so excruciating in my life as, as a Philly sports fan is watching Vince Velasquez. Because it's, it's not, first off, it's hilarious that we call him Vinny Velo. He throws 93 miles an hour. Right. Like, in, in today's game, that's nothing. Mm. And it's, it's, it's nibbling. He just nibbles around the strike zone the whole time. And it's just like, just go after guys. It's difficult to watch. Yes, it, really it is. is. But, like, Girardi, it's just, I don't, I expected more. I expected the team to fight more. And you know what frustrates me? And you, Obviously, if they've called all the Yankees games, yes. whatever. But he hasn't gotten thrown out of a game yet. And I know that might sound ridiculous, but the team is scuffling. And, and the Girardi that I saw in New York was a guy that was fiery and would blow up on umpires. And what I've seen here is a subdued Joe Girardi. Well, I was with Girardi my first year transforming, transitioning is the word, from music to sports. Okay, was in two thousand. What, what year was he in Miami? Oh uh, six. Six. Oh six. That was my first year transitioning from music radio to sports radio. So I was doing Marlins games, and was there the night that Joe not only blew up at the umpire, but then blew up at the owner and told the owner to go f himself, mm-hmm. which got him fired right. after winning Manager of the Year. Yeah, he got, that Marlins payroll was twenty two million. Yeah, it was Dan Ugla. Yeah, Hanley uh, Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez. Uh, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson was very good. An old Dontrell Willis at that point. Um, like uh, Chris Coglin was he that was hit, was that when he was Rookie of the Year? Chris Coglin may have, yeah you're right. So. Yeah, but the, the $22 million payroll, they're 80 yeah. and 82. So I've seen him go from a guy whose temper was way up here. Right. I mean, eighth inning, and he's telling the owner of the team, go F yourself, where everyone in the ballpark could hear it, to a guy that you say is a little too subdued. Yeah, it's just like I don't see a guy that's that's stewing, and every post-game press conference is like, yeah, we got to figure it out. Like, I, I, it sounds dumb, but get thrown out of a game. Show like you care, and mm-hmm. it's just – it's frustrating when I've seen him show that in the past for him not to do it. I'll make a deal with you. Okay. I will give this thing, and I'll be honest and upfront with you about it because I know your heart is in the right place. And in the right place, I mean it's right there at Home Plate Citizens Bank Park. If there's a Phillies fan here who's Phillies to the core, it's you. Yes. I'll make a deal with you, and I'll be as honest as the day is long. Give us to Memorial Day if I don't see – and really, and you get to see this up, up close more than I do because I'm with the Yanks. But I always have a separate iPad. I have a separate iPad just for Phillies. Okay, so I always have a Phil. No matter what I'm doing, Phillies games on an iPad two is Phils. Good. Give us the Memorial Day weekend, and if this thing hasn't turned around, I will be as critical of Joe Girardi as you feel he deserves to be. All right, that's fair, Ricky. I'm uh, looking forward to listening on my drive home. That is now. 
45 minutes back to Westchester. Moved in this weekend. There you go. So Congratulations. I will have a, a Are you long. A homeowner now? I'm a homeowner there now. There you go. Uh, I know. It's yeah. kind of scary. Get ready to cut the grass and check the pipes. And, oh, yeah. I was out there weeding today. Oh, weeding. Listen, talk about being an adult, Ricky. Yeah. That's this guy. And now you're, you're, you're cognizant of your neighbors. Hey, you know, you're oh. making too much noise across the street. Ricky, yeah. first day, first day, first morning after, walked out, <laughs> saw the neighbor, said, hey, how you doing? How are you? Let me introduce myself. Big neighborhood yeah. guy. Hey, Big neighborhood I, guy. I love it. Ricky, uh, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Memorial Day. Yep. Fritzy, to tonight us. is our hooray for a Hollywood show. It's Oscar night. Oh, come on. Who cares about movies anymore? No, we're, gonna, we're not talking movies. We're going to take the Oscar theme and bring it right into Philadelphia sports. All right. Well, I look forward to listening to that. It was a pleasure hanging out. Shout out to Anthony Foley for helping me through the program. And uh, Marks and Reese tomorrow, 2 to 6. I'll be back producing. Daniel Jeremiah, 4 o'clock. Ricky Ricardo coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.